the pride of Limerick, a young man named Sean Sheehan. The MMA media, Don Graham McDonald. The severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 147 of the Severe MMA podcast. I nearly forgot the name of the podcast every second. My name is Sean Sheehan and with me like every week is the scroobiest pip of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald. And we've got a huge week of news and events this week. We're going to look back at UFC 222, huge uh, UFC title fights top in that card we're going to look back at ufc or sorry bellator even 192 i i believe at the exact same stage last week i called it ufc 192 as well so that, that's a good start uh we're going to be looking back at bellator 192 with ryan mcdonald taking the title off douglas lima in the co-main event there unfortunately and an absolutely tremendous fight between chelson and rampa jackson in the main event uh there was big commotion this week with conor mcgregor tony um ferguson and habib Nurmagomedov. We're going to be talking about the lightweight belt situation. We're going to talk a little bit about John, John Jones's polygraph. And we're going to answer all your questions. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, tweet at Severe MMA Pod. If you have questions for us throughout this podcast or throughout the week, get us there. Severe MMA Podcast at gmail.com. You can get me at Sean Sheehan Ba. And you can get Graham at Severe MMA. Graham, how are you? How was your weekend? Yeah, good weekend. Uh, some good fights. Uh, two cards at the same time. Is uh, it's been a while since that's happened as well. And there's some more uh, good sport on tonight with the 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 Vikings playing uh, the Eagles in the in the championship game. Winner who's, goes Super Bowl. Who's the Eagles quarterback these days? Um, it's usually Carson Wentz, but he's injured. He tore his ACL, so it's Nick Foles. Oh, I know. I vaguely know him. I vaguely. Where, where's Michael Vick these days? He retired, is he? Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, yeah he's gone. Did he ever come back from the, the the dog thing that time? Did he come back after that? Yeah, he, did, he, didn't he? he came back very temporarily, I think. But uh, yeah, um, I'm actually 100% on that, but I think he did. Yeah, Liverpool haven't played yet. They're playing Monday, aren't they? Man United, yeah. a tremendous 1-0 win. Yeah, yeah, apparently I didn't see it, but apparently it was dire. No shots in the first half. Or, I actually haven't seen it, but no, I just was reading reading a little match report thing. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad. Yeah, but Martial again though he's he's popping he's, up scoring goals. Him and Lingard yeah. winning games for you. Mm-hmm. Lingard, Martial, and Alexis Sanchez are gonna cause absolute. Lainey's back now as well, isn't he? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. He came on, came on, actually played pretty well. So yeah, that's that. Anyway, right, let's get into the MMA because there's so much fecking MMA talk this week that we're gonna have to get straight into it, and let's get to UFC 220 where. We mentioned it last week. It wasn't the best card in the world, but it was the two big fights on, on top of that card. And that's what we'll get to first. Stipe Miocic versus Francis Ingano in the main event for the UFC heavyweight title. And it ended 50-44, 50-44, 50-44, all to the reigning champion, Stipe Miocic. He took the decision over Francis Ingano in a... It was, it was really a morning of a fight, wasn't it? Yeah, he uh, he. We kind of we, we were talking about it before with Ngannou. We didn't really know what he's going to be like in adversity, and if you can kind of take the the explosion away from him by dragging him deep, then he he didn't have an answer for it. He 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 looked like he didn't expect to be on his back at all. He he looked lost on his back. Um, he was trying to use uh, a lot of energy and a lot of. Uh, I think Rogan was talking about a lot of explosion to get up, but it, and Stipe was ready for it. And, it just became the explosion just kind of waned as as the fight went on and although he did uh he did have some very dangerous moments in the first round where he he, he kind of half clipped cpa a couple of times but seemed to to put him in danger even even at that but he was swinging wildly with with all his power and 
even even when he was landing in the first round, you could see that he wasn't going to be able to keep this up, and it was a bit too wild. And uh, Stipe had a good game plan, like to push him up against the cage and keep him down. Um, not really engaging the striking with him as much as possible. But even even when um, I think it was was it the third round, the end of the third round, or it was later in the fight. Kanganu uh, kind of got a little bit of a second wind and landed a couple of punches, but he just didn't have the power in them anymore. But it's a uh, it's it, it, it's a it's a guy who's young in his career, and I think we were saying that it might have been one of these situations where it's a little bit too early for him. But I'd say a lot of lessons to to learn from there. Hopefully, the the beating he took won't won't affect him too much. I, I wouldn't want to see him make any kind of quick turnaround at all. Like you want to give himself a bit of time here, but uh, it, um, it was kind of a disappointing performance from Ngannou. Kind of the questions that were there kind of got answered, and they're kind of got answered uh, negatively in in his favor. So. Yeah, I th- I think this fight is a tough one to to do analysis on to be honest. And I think your the analysis here can't be black and white. It really really can't. It can't be Stipe Miocic absolutely destroyed him, went from pillar to post and and beat this world-class fighter and it can't be Francis Ngannou is green, he's no good. He he'll be in 4 or 5 years if they met again. Uh, he he'll be better off. He'd face Stipe. Now, both of those things are true. In in, but they're only true if you put them together. So Stipe was really, really, really good, and Francis is green. Both of those things are true, and I don't think like you. you if you're making the argument either way, I think that's wrong. To be honest, I think you have to make both arguments. You know, it you like I I, I for me. I, I kind of go at the side that Stipe was really good because we like I, I came in there I was speaking Francis Ngano and I, I I the reasons I picked him were really what he tried to do in the first round he tried to come out and he tried to land big and he tried to knock him out but what what Stipe Miocic did was so good the way he game planned the way he used his experience everything he did from the first second of that fight until the last second was brilliant was absolutely brilliant so he Stipe Miocic's game planning and his 25 minutes of excellence showcased or not showcased is the wrong word showed up Francis Ngannou's greenness so you you have to put the two things together I think and I I thought it was like looking at Stipe Miocic specifically I, I thought it was an absolutely brilliant display from him because it, people will come out here and I guarantee you a good 90% of the analysis in this fight will be people talking about Stephen Miocic getting takedowns. Stephen Miocic won that fight in defeat. And if you go back go back and watch that fight, he was winning so many exchanges. Every time Stipe threw three and four shots, he was absolutely eating Francis up. Now, how many times did Francis catch him in the whole fight? He, I think he caught him once hard in the fifth. I think he caught him once hard in the third, and he caught him maybe three or four times in the first round when he was, uh, when he was, you know, still, you know, when he was still alive, kind of in the fight. Stipe caught him way more in the first round. He caught him the whole way through the fight, and like after when it got to the second, third, and fourth, Stipe. Stipe started implementing the game plan more. He started, Patrick was with me, he, he described it as like a bear that's wounded and you're just taking little bits out of him the whole time. That's what he was doing. It was so intelligent. But he did. it all started on the feet. He beat him on the feet. His head movement was absolutely fantastic. 
Francis could not hit him clean. You know, every everything he hit him with was kind of a, you know, it, it was it was kind of a half a shot. And he still hurt him a couple of times, even with those half shots, especially with about 10 seconds left in the round. But a, a really the catalyst for that victory was done on the feet. And I, I truly believe that Sipa Miocic, and it was a, an absolutely fantastic display. I, I thought it was very, I thought it was a very, very impressive display by Sipa. Yeah, it was. I think, though, part of the reason why he was successful on the feet was his, his movement and everything like that, but also the threat of the takedown uh, mm-hmm. kind of made Francis a bit a bit more tentative. But you can't really take much away from Stipe. Like, you know, he he's the, the, the winningest uh, <laughs> UFC heavyweight champion. Don't fucking do it. So... You can't take it. You can't take it away from him. You know, a lot of times when when guys have uh, impressive victories like this, people will, as you were saying, kind of just blame blame the rawness of uh, of Nganu. and that was definitely a part of it. But as you say, the game plan, the head movement, the striking, the all round mixed martial arts game, and the experience, uh, cardio, just just the all round game of Stipe was just too much for Nganu. Yeah, like. You're, you're just your point there about mixing it up with the takedown. Like, I thought Francis actually did a pretty good job in the first three quarters of the first round to actually stop the takedowns. And he stopped them in kind of the way I thought, which was all hard, um, strength, all power taken away. He was he did a great job of getting the overhook, let Stipe get the underhook, because that's what, what he always wants in there. And then he got the, the wrist control on usually Stipe's left hand. And he did a great job turning out, using his power to turn out. Did a great job of doing that, I thought, early. And then was swinging on the feet. So, like, that's why I say this fight was won on the feet. Because Francis did well to defend that. He did well to defend the takedowns. Even he got taken down once at once as he popped straight back up early in the fight. So, like, that was grand to see having that game plan to take him down early. But that didn't really work. You know, a lot. It worked, you know, some of the time early. But most of the time it didn't work early. Francis got out and he got in to strike him but Stipe was eating him up in the striking you know he was winning that that battle and then what you know Francis you know, look I think you know the brilliance of Stipe was definitely on show and you can see what happened what what about Francis like uh, I think uh, uh, Conor Rebush made a good point that he was he was rushing uh, watching it live that was kind of what I was getting as well I was like thinking just take a step back you know do a bit like uh, like the Alistair Overeem fight Pick your pick your shots. Like I, I did my um my preview you video there. Um, yeah, 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 maybe. But like when I, when I was talking about my preview video, like that why I was so impressed and why I got so high on him, especially after that fight, was the finesse with which he knocked out Alistair over him. You know, he used that head movement, he used his defense, he used counters to win that fight, and all that finesse just kind of went out the window in this fight. You know, he was just running forward, throwing bombs from out of nowhere, not setting anything up, going kind of mad and, and trying to land those big shots without setting them up. He, you know, he said afterwards that he didn't respect Steve enough or he underestimated him a little bit. You know, I think he actually might have done that. Now, even if he didn't, I think Steve still would have would have beat him anyway. But what did, what did you think of Francis's performance? Um. Yeah. Uh. It started off all right, as you were saying. It was a bit wild, but that's kind of part of what he does. Um. When you're when you're tr- you're trying to knock people's heads off, you you got to kind of throw full power. So, it was kind of expected. But in a f- in a fight that like 
you kind of got to prepare to go five rounds in against uh, a champion like Stipe, and I don't think Nganu did prepare to go five rounds. He was he was there to put him away early, and mm-hmm. once that didn't happen, he was kind of out of ideas. Then you know he he looked kind of fish out of water on on the bottom. He his back his back and his shoulders were just flat on the mat. He his guard wasn't really there. Uh, Stipe was happy enough to to hold him down. Um, against the cage and I think Ngani was happy enough to to rest there nearly um which isn't which isn't a great game plan when you're when you're losing the rounds and you're you're already down. Like the first round was the closest round, but I still think Stipe won it with the, the couple mm-hmm. of takedowns and the, the, the better shots. But well maybe not the better yeah, well it was it was close enough and then a couple of takedowns and more strikes to Stipe, but from then on, it was it was much more steep. And I, I, I don't think Ngani was prepared. He was more he was more worried about what he was going to do, and he, he didn't seem to maybe as as he said and as you just said, he he didn't respect Stepe's game enough. Yeah, like looking looking forward for Francis. Like the cardio is, yeah, is definitely going to be an issue, and that I think a lot of people think oh he's bad cardio when maybe it's bad game planning, and you know. If he, if anyone goes out there and absolutely goes full force forward for four rounds and you're that size, it's not you know it's not going to work. You can't keep that up. You know not, that's why you know Cain Velasquez was such a phenom that he yeah. could keep doing that. People aren't like that. You know maybe Clay Guida is like that at 145 pounds or 155 pounds or whatever. But even guys like that are rare doing that. Like you, a man his size can't do it. Can, just can't keep that pace up. Yeah, uh, you have to be in ridiculous shape. Even when Kane tried to, Kane himself tried to implement his own game uh, when he was kind of out of shape against Verdum, yeah. and he didn't have the energy to to go through it, and he just completely gassed out, and then got himself stuck in a stupid guillotine, and and that's what happens. Like when you get tired, you make bad decisions, and you, you can't play it. You can't play that game when 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 you don't have the cardio. And um, Stepe's cardio was, was was very good. In fairness to him, uh, he kind of fought a. a Kane-ish, uh, uh mm-hmm. plan, and it's it's very hard to deal with that. Like, um, it's it's harder for big guys to get up off the ground as well. Little guys can just kind of create scrambles, and it's a bit easier. But when somebody like Stepe is on top of you, and he and he he just wants to hold you down, and he's not really too worried about ground pound, it's going to be very hard to get up, especially when you're tired. Yeah. So great uh, game, great game plan by Stepe, but it was kind of it came down to the two game plans and and the cardio, basically. I I think. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of skill involved in what Stipe did, but uh, the danger from Nganu was kind of gone, barred out a little flash, I think, in the third round, uh, after the first round. So, yeah, uh, Stipe yeah. was kind of out of the woods once, it, once he got deep. Yeah. I, th- I thought Francis, he, I, I thought he did well when he was kind of on his knees and against the cage. Like, Rogan was, I think he was overplaying it a little bit since Stipe was, like, riding him out, making him hold his way. Like, Francis wasn't even trying to get up. He wasn't doing anything. He was literally just laying there for, like, maybe three you know half of three of the rounds kind of or two two of the rounds maybe but i i thought the biggest issue was when he was on his back you know steepy miocic passed through him like a curry through a fella with fucking 30 points in him like he it was just absolutely another level like he, he looked absolutely awful straight away like steve steepy didn't just pass his guard he like passed over him and got like his legs over his head he could have he could have done an inverted triangle on him like if he wanted it was he looked it was amateurish looking on the ground to be honest it looked really really bad for for francis and you know he's a lot of work to do i'm not sure about his 
you know, he's trainers. Who is he training with? Training the UFC Institute. I think he needs to get to a big camp. He needs to get. I I think Tristar would be perfect for him. You know, bring bring trainers in or bring uh, sparring partners in and stuff. You have you know all those guys there speak French and everything. I think it'd be. I think it'd be a perfect fit for him. But one thing, I, one thing I wanted to ask you, and you can get back to the BJJ point if you want. But you often talk about it, like obviously you've been there filming the notorious documentary and stuff, being backstage at fights and stuff. Do you think? Do, do you think that the event could have got him a little bit? You know, the big night is the first big title fight. He's not long in the game. You know, this is steep as yeah. breaking the record. Like. Yeah, I, I think he did look a little nervous, but he looked a little nervous before his last fight as well, and, and that went pretty pretty well for him. He knocked it over him viciously in the first round, so well, certain guys do look nervous, and like it is a nerve-wracking thing. Like it, it, I think everybody has a, every fighter has a little bit of nerves, even if they're very experienced, especially if it's a big title fight like this. I'm sure Stipe had some, had some nerves as well, but it's obviously the, the, the first kind of massive spot mm-hmm. for, for Nganu and and the overing fight was big, but this had a bit more attention to it. Um, the, yeah, the, you had the the promos running with 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 him and them constantly, yeah. and and it definitely was a bigger spot than before. But I think uh, I think on the jiu-jitsu thing, I think when you're four or five years into the game, it, it's very hard to be a well-rounded mixed martial artist. Like everywhere, <laughs> there's going to be weaknesses in your game, and like his yeah. his cardio, his his, his ground game, his. Uh, his decision making like that that'll that'll all get better with time but um he's what he's he's 31 is he 30 31 yeah 31 it is isn't that old for a heavyweight like you look at the heavyweight division and historic heavy uh, successful heavyweights that they kind of nearly get at their peak in mid 30s so mm-hmm. he still has time he's young in the game as well so he's a bit younger than his age suggests uh, MMA wise um i'm not sure about his camp as you're saying um Tristar, I'm not sure if they have many heavyweights, but yeah, I'm sure they could. They could. They have contacts. They can arrange for for guys to come down. Uh, don't know how many takers will be for sparring with Ngannou, but uh, I'm sure they'll find someone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like- but, um, yeah. It's 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 always um, it like it looks bad. Uh, his ground game looked really bad, but at least now he knows for sure that he has to go work on that i'm sure he's been working on it uh, a bit like he's obviously much uh, a bit more of a natural to striking he seems to have picked that up much quicker and there is a lot going on on the ground and stipe's been doing it a lot longer and yeah stipe's a wrestler as well like a guy who doesn't really have a background so uh, he's kind of coming in at a, a slight disadvantage even even before the, the four or five years training mm-hmm. so yeah i think i think he, he'll be back i think um uh, there's definitely a blueprint to, to beat him now. I think people will, will be doing that, but he's he's uh, he wasn't easy to take down. You know, in the first round, he, he as you said, he, he got taken down for a second. He popped back up, landing some some half shots, but they seem to be affecting Stipe. So it, it just shows how much power he has, and with a bit more um, composure and a bit more cardio and just some more work. Even if it's not on the jiu-jitsu, maybe like Chuck Liddell type game plan, just make yourself really hard to take yeah. down. Exactly, and just sprawl mm-hmm. and roll. Like, pe- pe- there's a tendency, and people were saying it beforehand, to write to write Ingano off now. Like, people were, all, uh, everyone coming in was saying it's all, he's all a hype train and stuff. And that's why I think that's bad to say that, because that's taking something away from Stipe. And, like, he's not all a hype train. Like, he he almost knocked Stipe out in the, in the first round a couple of times. Like, he could have won that fight. You know, he ended up getting absolutely, you know, destroyed mauled for five rounds. But he could have won that fight early still. Like, Francis is so good at what he's good at. His deficiencies 
can be put to one side because it's such an overwhelming brilliance of what he's brilliant at. And like Stipe Miocic took that brilliant part of his game away. And he he beat him where he was brilliant. Uh, and that's why I was, you know, I'm so impressed with with Stipe. But right, Francis off at your pearl, as you said, four years as a pro. This guy is only going to improve all the time. You know, if, what, what if he gets good off of his back? What if his takedown defense improves? What and his composure? I think composure is the biggest thing because, as we said, like his his take his takedown defense wasn't bad. Like his his um his fence work was was pretty good at the start, but he just was so uncomposed in his striking. He was just going for it too much. He blew himself out, and it was he was just finished. Like that, this fight was basically over by the by the second round, by two or three minutes into the second round. You know, he was he was just absolutely gassed uh, and gone. But I I still think there's a lot a lot to be said for Francis Ngannou yet, and I still think he's one of the best. Pros- I, I I'd be very surprised if Francis Ngannou never fought for a title again, or if he never was champion. I I really do think um, he, he's still the future of that division. Especially in the heavyweight division, there isn't there isn't mm-hmm. that much there. There there isn't that much youth there as well. He's yeah. one of the younger guys at the top. So definitely speaking of that, like, everybody, everybody loses in MMA. Like oh, even Stipe yeah. got TKO'd by Stefan Struve in his first big mm-hmm. big main event. Um, like you can come back. It's it's not the end of the world. Obviously, there's recency bias and people like not like uh, knee jerk reactions. But yeah. Uh, he just needs to work on. He just needs to work on a few things, and I'm sure he will. And and maybe maybe he maybe he'll stick with his camp. Maybe he'll change camp, but he'll definitely he'll definitely be changing. He'll be changing his routine and changing his training. I, I need to be sure of it. Yeah, like uh, looking at as you said there, that the division is pretty light. Looking at this division, who is next for Stephen Miocic? Like you're looking at it. You're looking at guys. Maybe he's already fought. Maybe a Verdum or you know Overeem has lost a uh, lost a couple in, a couple in a row now. But looking at Verdum's record, he's beaten uh, Marcin Tibora and Walt Harris in his last two. Lost to Overeem before that. You know Mark Hunt is fighting Tibora soon coming up. He's coming off of uh, a few losses as well. It, uh, it doesn't. Kane, but Kane, he just hasn't been fit. I think yeah. they can sell Kane. I think people remember Kane due to the Brock fight. They remember Kane due to the, I think like nine million people or whatever it was watched this. The I know he lost on Fox and Big Fox and the first the first ever Big Fox to, to Junior De Santos. But I think people remember that. I remember his name due to that and and the Lesnar thing. I think is is the main reason. And casuals would remember mm-hmm. his name. A lot of people like Lesnar. They, they were tuning in to see him win. A lot of people hate Lesnar, so they, they were they were happy for Kane to win. So I think I think he yeah. still has one name value, even though he's been out for a long time and he hasn't looked the same in, in his recent recent fights when he has fought fought due to his big layoffs and uh, not having the cardio that kind of made him made up his game, made him be able to implement his game so effectively. I think you need to get Kane another fight though, before that. I don't think he can come straight back into a title fight after being off for so long. Yeah, you have to get him. You can get you can get some. Like you know, big foot esque fight where you just go in there and beat a guy easily. You just kind of go through the camp, and I think he can get he he, he can get it. You can give him a fight where he's not going to take too much damage. You can give him a relatively quick turnaround. Um, mm-hmm. Kane and yeah, quick give turnaround. him someone involved or something. Yeah, yeah, Kane and quick turnarounds yeah. that haven't really gone well together historically. Exactly, yeah. He's very injury prone. There's, there's, there's I remember some videos of of him doing like leg squats in AKA, and it looked like he was about to blow out. His whole fucking body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was really. So I, don't, I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he's training that that uh, efficiently or that um, with, with a lot of technique in a lot of ways. Maybe that's part of his injury problems. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think I think Kane is is the fight. But it's just Kane isn't really in the position at the moment. He needs, he, as you say, he probably needs a win. 
Mm-hmm. Um, before we move on to the comment event, what did you think of, of Stipe dragging the belt basically out of Dana White's hands, giving it to his coach to put on him to to put the belt around him? Did you see that afterwards? When the, yeah, um, yeah. Weird, wasn't it? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, he was in the Ariel asked him about it in the press conference afterwards, and he basically said, He's my family, he's someone I respect and who respects me. And Ariel kind of asked him, Do you not respect anyone? Does he not respect you? And he didn't really kind of answer it, but he was kind of saying, No, he fucking doesn't, and I don't like and there's a you know, there's a bit of tension there. Steve is pissed off all around it. Like you can't blame fighters, I suppose, for getting pissed off with a lot of people picking their opponent, like, but it is natural, I think. Like I pick, uh, like I, I pick Francis, but no disrespect to Steepa. Like Steepa is a great fighter. I like, can, you know, maybe that's that's something a guy like Steepa needs. He, you know, if he's mad, he's gonna maybe he'll fight a little bit better. And you know, he needs to be mad at everyone maybe to to do it. And maybe that helps him. You know, maybe after a couple of weeks, that'll that'll calm down again. So yeah, he probably should have been nice to to Dana until uh, Dana announced the bonuses because he ended up not getting one. So maybe that was a bit of a bad move. Do you think he should have got one though? I wasn't. You know, it wasn't exactly a great fight. I didn't. I actually didn't see the catter. No, I, I thought it was. I thought it was a good fight. Um, yeah, uh, usually if there's a big kind of main event slugfest like that, and back and forth a bit, like usually, uh, usually the kind of main event or the co-main event guys will, will be more likely to get the to get the bonuses. But yeah, it wasn't like clear cut and it wasn't robbed of a bonus or anything. But mm-hmm. maybe if he had been a bit. If he hadn't, uh, <laughs> if he had been nicer, you might uh, to Dana. Dana, who knows? I quote this wild speculation, but you know, maybe yeah. he would be fifty grand richer if he had to play along a little while. Mm-hmm. In the comment event, then uh, Daniel Cormier retained <clears throat> retained his UFC uh, light heavyweight title, UFC <laughs> UFC <laughs> silver title against uh, Volkan Odzimir, uh with a second round TKO, Ryan Nelson style. Um, after a pretty, you should have counted fight. the strikes like like Roy Nelson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. Kimbo. You're doing it wrong, Daniel. You're meant to shout out every punch you land. Yeah, what? Well, yeah, that was actually brilliant. Yeah, Jesus. Some of the people watched that fight actually didn't they? Jesus, that was that was, yeah, it was like ten million or something, yeah, wasn't it? Kimbo yeah. gone into that. A lot of people probably won't even know what we're talking about. In in when Kimbo slice and Roy Nelson were in the Ultimate Fighter house. Ryan Nelson, over ten, I think. Yeah, Ryan Nelson uh, TKO'd him basically with tiny little punches from the crucifix. L- literally, how many land like? 80 punches or something 40 or 50 or something I can't even remember but like he wasn't even hitting him hard like Carmia was hitting Odzimir pretty hard last night with the punches from the crucifix but uh, Ryan Nelson wasn't but anyway I I, I digress this fight it was a very interesting tactical matchup I thought this fight like uh, I think my analysis coming in was that Vulcan would hit hard and he'd get stuck inside and he'd get into clinches and he'd get taken down and that's kind of exactly what happened but I thought he did an absolutely phenomenal job initially of breaking away from those clinches you know the way Vulcan fights he's always going to get caught up inside but what he what he did was he was st- changing stances as he threw so when he he, he was kind of standing in the southpaw stance uh, to throw most of the time because he was coming up with that left hand kind of a straight left because Daniel Cormier drops his head down to the right the whole time and he was kind of hitting in that passage there just kind of towards his kind of towards his uh, right right or left or right shoulder yeah and, and kind of aiming there to, to get Daniel's head when it came down and it, it was working and then he was switching stances going to the other leg and pushing off with his right hand so he was throwing the left and then pushing off with his right so Daniel couldn't couldn't um clinch him and it worked very very well for the first first while but DC 
a little bit like Stipe as well. He started getting a little bit of success in the feet. He started landing that leg kick. He was coming in with shots over the top, landing three or four shots. And DC, I think, he is an underrated, violent fighter, I think DC is. Because he takes a lot of shots to get in, especially like body shots and stuff. He kind of gives up the body a lot, the way he ducks his head down and gives up one side of his body and his legs and stuff. He, he f- does so much hand fighting and stays in the pocket and throws with you and and, and we'll... You know, we'll we'll get into exchanges with strikers like that. Like, I think he's an underrated fighter, but I thought he did very, very well in you know in those exchanges and stuff. Even though Volkan was maybe landing the harder shots initially, but I think over the, maybe the first round, DC, um, uh, you know, DC started started landing more and more and more, and it, it was a very, very good first round, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, how did you score the first round? Actually, I don't know. I like. Uh, Normally, I, I would score it for Volcan, but I thought the fact that DC got him in a rear naked choke right at the end and was close to finishing the fight when when the bell rang and took his back and everything, like you have to score that. Like that wasn't just a takedown; he passed and he was close to finishing him. Like, and I think, think he was close to finishing him, or do you think that um, it was just it, the, the time wasn't there? It was like a five second thing. So uh, I think it was enough. Volkan to, kind of knew that he. Yeah. I think it was enough to sway it around because. DC had landed a few good shots as well late coming up towards the last minute of that round on the feet and like I hate when people say you know he gets a takedown and he, he robs around with that but that wasn't just a takedown like it, it was you know it, it was yeah, guard yeah, and really, really and, good. Yeah. so yeah it was a close one I suppose you know it, it didn't really it didn't really matter in the end but you know DC's performance after that once he got the takedown you know he got an he got I uh, one of the most beautiful takedowns ever, you know, run the pipe kind of takedown. He was, the, how he got um, Volkan down, you know, from Volkan changing those hands and pushing away was he held him in. He, I think it was kind of, a, it wasn't quite an underhook, but he kind of just held the arm, ca- caught him in there for a second on the inside in the middle of the cage and just basically went down on his knees and caught a single leg in the middle of the cage. And, uh, he had Vulcan, you know, under the knee and he lifted up his leg. So Vulcan was kind of stretching upwards and then he dropped him straight down and then kicked his other leg out from under him. So it was like, it basically was like you're on a trampoline or something. You're going up and then when, when you go down, imagine someone kicking your legs out from under you when you're going down on a trampoline. That's exactly what did, how we got him down to the ground. It was absolutely, absolutely brilliant stuff from, by, from DC and on the ground. I thought... um Ultimate was actually not bad on the ground. He defended okay, but Cormier is just another level. You know, he said it in the press conference afterwards. He was just, you know, he knew he was on another level, and he knew once he got it to the ground, he he could uh, he could just beat him up. And you know, that that crucifix especially, he didn't. You know, Ryan Nelson when he did the crucifix, he you, he basically got his leg and his knee on one side of him, and then he got his head and his arm on the other side of him, and then he beat him up with his other arm. But DC didn't do that. DC got his head and his arm at the top all right but with Vulcan's other side he actually got his leg on his arm so he wasn't just blocking off the arm you know Vulcan couldn't have like you know tried to pull the leg out or anything or tried to stretch his arm up underneath DC's legs because DC had his shin right across Vulcan's forearm so he couldn't move that arm underneath it and if you go back and watch that I like he he Vulcan kind of got it out at one stage but DC got it back again like the technique it takes to do that when you like 
he's, he's not looking around his back, looking at where his leg is. Like he's doing that all with feel and, and just practice over and over and over. And the way he got his shin across his arm to, to, to get that crucifix and to keep the crucifix, I thought was absolutely brilliant and just shows how good DC was. But yeah, I'm rambling now anyway. <laughs> yeah, DC, like uh, a lot of people, a lot, a lot of people maybe kind of because john jones is just so fucking good he's so good mm-hmm. that uh, people think oh cormier's not that good but if you see what he does to everybody else like even okay the gustafson fight was really close but the way he just picked up uh uh gustafson in that fight and just dumped him and the way he picked up josh barnett at heavyweight and dumped him just you know he's he's just a, a highly highly skilled wrestler like obviously you don't get on the olympic team for no reason and does we hear a lot about these olympians from different grappling and maybe a lot of them don't don't translate over and th- their wrestling is nowhere near as good in uh in uh, mma as it was in 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 freestyle wrestling so mm-hmm. it's not it's not a given but daniel cormier's game just seems to be perfect his wrestling game just seems to be brilliant for mma and he knows how to implement it and obviously having kane and rock i don't know what's going on with rock all at the moment he's training somewhere else but Vulcan's gym. yes which is very strange but and javier mendez seems to be saying that it's with their blessing but it's, it's just it's a very strange situation but he's been training with all these guys for for years he's been training with i know khabib is tiny compared to him but khabib knows a few things about wrestling as well you know mm-hmm. there's a few very good wrestling minds there in the same gym and they're obviously learning off each other and they, and they probably that gym has the best probably the best mma wrestling going as a, as a gym like so uh, grappling, I mean, grappling and pressure, and just relentlessness. Like uh, Khabib and Kane and Daniel Cormier are just relentless in the grappling, mm-hmm. um, and that, that's 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 the way. Like that's the hardest type of uh, fight to, to to. You're on your back constantly. There, you're constantly in punches. You're constantly having to try and get back up. It's tiring. Like you know, it's even if you're in great shape and you if you have that much pressure on you. Like as you were saying, Cormier takes a good few shots to to get inside, but he knows that once when he does, it's just his world and it's gonna drain them, and it's worth eating them shots to get on the inside and initiate the yeah. the dirty boxing and the, and the 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 grappling and wrestling from there. So, uh, great game plan by by Cormier. He wasn't like it was it was a rough enough start to the, the first round. He was eating some yeah. shots. He was the reach was a bit. Volkan was using his reach well. He was he was firing at weird angles, kind of in between i think you were saying in between as you were saying in between stance changes he was kind of like popping shots it was a bit unorthodox and it was something to work out but cormier was able to just push forward and he's just he's just on a different level to ozamir on the ground yeah and i suppose looking after the fight then daniel it was just like I, i had two feelings after that fight i was like happiness that kind of Daniel Cormier a guy who's kind of done it all right and who fights in an exciting manner even though even if it's a wrestling man but I thought, <laughs> I, I, oh, sorry uh, what, what you said there Tolkien okay. oh yeah okay okay yeah but I yeah but in general a fellow who does it right who does it the right <laughs> way who's kind of a nice guy who you know who hasn't taken the drugs twice and got caught for it who is the best light heavyweight in the world who can do it fairly it was nice to see him getting the title and getting there. But then I had the top for me after that was John Jones. That was the thought that went through my head. It's like the stench of John Jones is always there. Like even I posted a picture and the way Daniel Cormier. Stench of John Jones. <laughs> it, it is though. It really is. He can't get it off. Do you, you ever go to a town? Like there's this town alongside me called Castle Mahan. You sell chickens, right? 
I, every time when it actually the factory's gone now, but when you you, you used to be on about a mile from Castleman and you could smell chickens, you know that's that's like John Jones with Daniel Cormier. <laughs> you it, it, can't it, it, say Daniel Cormier without saying John Jones. Like. Yeah, it's kind of like the Benson Henderson thing when Benson Henderson said it really well about the Pettis uh, Showtime kick, and yeah. he said it's like a stain on a soul. <laughs> yeah, that, I think, I think that Cormier is, is actually thing. affected like it's bad, like it hurts him deep down mm. so much. The John Jones thing. Um, and it's worse though. It's worse for for Cormier because, like, at least Pettis did it fairly. Like, you can say, like, if you beat me fair and square, you beat me, and you beat me a second time, you armbarred me, you beat me fair and square. But like, this is a guy who's failing tests. Like, you know, Anthony Pettis, you know, nice guy. He'd never seen the test. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. yeah, but like, it it's so bad because he's really in a, such a shitty situation, DC, that he we like we should be looking at him as the best light heavyweight in the world. We should be looking at him like that because John Jones is a cheat, and he didn't do it fairly. He took PEDs. He did it twice, but but John Jones beat him twice as well, and we know John Jones is a better fighter than him. And yeah, it's weird. It's, it's, it's a tough situation because, like. <laughs> people people obviously criticize jones for for all this stuff and it it is he's he's really made a mess of his career in a lot of ways jones even though he's had a lot of success but even even though the last fight was overturned to a no contest like how many casuals actually are following the day-to-day stuff and actually know that or do they just remember the head kick and the ground and they don't Mm -hmm. like a lot of people won't remember that and a no contest on your uh, when you've already lost it a guy. Fair enough if you didn't, if 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 that was the first time they'd fought and it ended a no contest like that, then maybe you could be like, oh well. But when it's happened twice, it's it, it's it's a tough spot. Like you know, if they are to fight again, like if he loses a third time, it's just a disaster. Like I know, I know Jones. Jones is just he, he could be facing he could be facing anywhere from a two year to a four year ban by the sounds of things. I, I don't think this. I don't think these. Excuses are gonna are gonna fly. Uh, your your responsibility. It's your responsibility what you put into your body according to these guys. And even if you do, even if you do prove that uh, it was a tainted supplement, they're still giving people bans. So yeah, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't get away with a ban, and he could end up with a really hefty ban. And maybe that will change things because John Jones will be out of the out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. And people mm-hmm. people will be watching Daniel Cormier maybe beating Gustafsson. That's a very tough fight though. The last one was a split decision. Gustafsson's very very good. That he actually is the second best heavyweight in, in, or light heavyweight in the world, but I think he is, and I think um, I think he, the Jones thing is obviously just going to fuck him. Cormier's got this this whole thing about second his whole career and yeah. all this stuff, and even even when he has the belt, it's it's the same old story. It's just you got to kind of feel for the guy if you like yeah. him or you don't like him. You still got to feel for him. Yeah, the f- like the first thing he said was John Jones after he won the belt with Joe Rogan, yeah. like, like he did the last time. Joey, 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 Joey yeah. Rogan. That's that's why <laughs> that's why the stint of John Jones is there. Like he, he's even off of him, it's coming out of his mouth. Like you know, it's 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 really bad. But like I agree, Alexander Gustafsson, I think is the next fight. Like, there, go back and watch that Gustafsson fight again. There's an argument for Gustafsson to win that fight against Daniel yeah, Cormier. That was a close. brilliant, brilliant fight. You know, at at the time, I kind of said, "Ah, oh, no, 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 Daniel Cormier won that," and you know, because there was a couple of close fights as well before that with Gustafsson and Jones and stuff. But then I went back and watched it. I was like, "Jesus, I don't know. It was a close fight." But I suppose that's tough for another. Day. What, what about this Jones? <laughs> this Jones polygraph? It, like, yeah, I mean, the first thing I thought was like. Desperate times call for desperate measures. That was the first thought that went through my head. 
Yeah, I think it's like if you had real evidence that it was a tainted supplement, you probably wouldn't bother with all this polygraph stuff because I don't know who gave him this polygraph test. Like, you know, it's going to be hired by his management or it's, uh, I'm not really sure who gave this to him, but I've never done a polygraph. But if you look online and there's a lot of it is, and there's, you look online, there's a lot of techniques that you can use to, to manipulate it. And there's a reason why it doesn't stand up in court. Like it's not seen as scientific uh, evidence. It's it's beatable and even if even if he didn't knowingly take it it's 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 going to be very hard to prove that people aren't going to believe you because it's happened before and people you've used up your your goodwill already Mm -hmm. like people aren't gonna like maybe if i don't think the polygraph will fly with anybody to be honest but maybe people will be a little bit more sympathetic if it wasn't john jones but i i, I didn't see much sympathy i see people just laughing at, at that at that and saying oh you mustn't yeah. have much much evidence if you're if you're pulling this one it was literally the worst thing he could have done because he became like a laughing sock and i think any bit of sympathy that people might have had just kind of dwindled out there and like i i think the biggest argument i've seen people making is like john jones got caught for Tarinabal in a time where Trinobal would do absolutely nothing for him. It's like, you know, something you take out of competition five, you know, I don't know what, five weeks before or something, and it'll help you. I I don't know. You know, Governor Ian, K- Ian Kidd will tell you, tweet him and he'll tell you, but like, and he got caught for like a week before or whatever. But like, they're saying, why would John Jones be stupid enough to take something like that a week before when it, when it had never helped him anyway? Hmm, why would John Jones be stupid enough to go on a fucking cocaine binge the week before a fight? Why, why would John Jones be stupid enough to drunk drive and nearly kill a pregnant woman? You know, why would John Jones be stupid enough to do all those things? Because John Jones is a stupid fucker, like. Let's let's just be honest about it. John Jones is a reckless guy. He, you know, he's a cheater. He's taken PEDs twice. Let's be honest here, like, 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 wh- why, like, wh- I don't understand all this shit about why do we have to look for an excuse for everyone? Why does everyone have to be a tainted supplement? Like, he got caught for the drug. Tw- like, fair enough once if you want to make excuses for him or whatever. But when he gets caught twice, like, fool me once, you know, for fuck's sake, like, uh, uh, this, this John Jones thing is like, and drugs no i'm not the biggest in the world like if you get i'm always of the opinion if you get caught red-handed you should be given fucking heavy bands or something like that but like if you're not and if there's something some sort of supplementing or something you know it should be lean enough whatever but when you get caught twice you're like you're just taking the piss out of people then like you're and, and you keep denying it like it's just bullshit like john jones i i think he should get a four-year ban and it's a pity because i wanted like i want to see john jones like that's the whole that's the whole conundrum here because i'd like i'd love to see john jones fight again like i'd love to see him fight carmy again in gustafson i'd love to see him fight steepy and brock lesnar and everything but he's a cheater like and uh, i think the minimum he's gonna get anyway is is two years this this polygraph thing is a lot of shite and I don't think it's going to help him at all. To be honest. Yeah, well, I suppose they're, they're just throwing out a flyer. You, you might as well do something if you have. Uh, maybe the case is they, they they can't they can't find the tainted supplement to to match up with the with the evidence. So they're doing this, but you might as well try something. I suppose, like mm-hmm. you know, uh, the the commission kangaroo court thing and the, the whole USADA thing doesn't seem to be run that efficiently. And you, you never know. You might get a little bit of leniency, so it's it's probably worth a go. Like, but. Yeah, it's it's like to me it's not like i think there's not much evidence but i think um the people defending jones are are jones fans i think or i think people who are like neutral would just look at it from an outside perspective and be like you know this isn't 
this isn't like NASCAR or golf where like you, you do a bit of drugs, you might you might win. You're actually hurting people here. Like you know, you're 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 giving them brain damage. Like you know, and Cormier took a lot of damage in that fight. Like yeah. So it's it's, it's yeah. It's, I'm not it's sure more, about it's, that. It's more serious. Either. It's more serious than it in is. other sports. Like you know, cycling. Okay, you beat the guy, but you didn't you didn't brain damage some guy. Like mm. you know. Yeah, I'm I like, how many guys like, actually? Two to got... four years, I think. Two to four years is, is fair. Four years sounds like a long time, but you it, it set an example of of a big, high profile guy like John Jones being like, we don't care who you are. Like, if you do this twice, four years. I like. I think it probably won't happen that... like that because because he's not a big star, but yeah. it should probably happen like that. I think the, the the argument, and we we don't have time to argue about it now, but like the the whole it hurting people and uh, stuff like. Yeah, I don't know about that. Like, I, I, uh, my thing is like it's in the rules. That's the rules, and why are you breaking the rules? Like, fair enough if you want to change the rules or whatever. But that, that's the way it is at the moment. Like, you know, you can know, look at you know what I mean, though, like you know, Nick I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, smokes a bit of weed, and everybody's like, he gets the same ban. It's like, or whatever. He gets they try to ban him for life for five years, or whatever. The ridiculous yeah. stuff going on, and like you know, come on, like it's this is not doing steroids. He's not doing EPO. He's not. He's he's not doing. Like, he's smoking a bit of weed. Like, come on, relax. Like. Yeah. Yeah, and this week as well, actually, just to mention it, uh, Sintini Cavio has been flagged for weed in, in competition. <sighs> you said, uh, and also as well, you, you mentioned there, like, you know, there's been a lot of rumors about different guys, like, looking for fucking, you know, supplements with, with, uh, with turning the ball, well, not turning the ball, but other stuff in them. Like, I think, I think a lot of people made that up, but like, Francisco Rivera actually falsified documents this week and was, he, I believe, his two year ban was changed to a four year ban because he was caught. Like, I think he said he was in mexico but he actually was proven that he wasn't in mexico and he like made up bank statements and stuff and it was like they just brought it to the bank i was like that this is not a real bank statement like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> and they gave him an extra two years so yeah i think you said are maybe getting a little bit tougher on that and uh and there's no harm but look we'll be here all day if we keep talking about that anyway yeah. gustafson cormier next let's do it beautiful anything else on that on that undercard that um we're, we're talking about or you want to mention the Rob Font, uh, Thomas Almeida fight. Rob, big win for Rob Font. Almeida doesn't seem to be able to close these holes in his game. His defensive, uh, he, his, his head movement, his defensive boxing is just just not really there. It doesn't seem to be coming along. He's too easy to hit. He's in exciting fights, but he's taking a lot of damage, uh, especially for a young guy. And I, I think one of the questions I saw somebody asking a question uh, was. Um, is he the prospect we thought he was? And I just don't think he is. I think yeah. he hasn't been able to make the improvements. And part of going from prospect to a proper full-on contender is closing small holes in your game and improving fight to fight. And I don't think he is. Yeah. I said it last week. I think the improvements are coming, but I think I might have been wrong. I, I don't know if, if the improvements are coming. And maybe that's a knee-jerk thing after he just happened. But it, mm. it's happened a few times now. Like, you know, and yeah. but Rob Font is a good fighter as well. You must think about that. Like Cody Garbrandt, he knocked him out. He's a good fighter. No, yeah. maybe he should take some time off and just uh, instead of getting into camps, he should he should just work on his game a bit for for six to nine months, get a fight in about eleven twelve months time. Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of weight cutting and getting on weight and cardio stuff and all that when you're when you're training for fights. So maybe a bit of time out to to work on his game will be uh will be what he should do. Also, the damage it's, it's always good to uh, Darren Elkins. <laughs> now it's always good to rest after you've taken a good bit of damage in your last few fights. That's true. What about the stand-up in that Abdul Razak Alassane yes. Sabah? <laughs> he got knocked out straight after stand-up, and everyone was sweet. No, no controversy this time. I was like, "What the fuck? Why are you not watching yeah, the same fight like as me?" Just stand him up. 
I don't like stand-ups at all. Like, uh, unless it's like blatant that the guy is just not trying to, he's just trying to lay down on top of him and not do anything. Like, even when like, you know, people would call for for takedowns when Chael would have a takedown and he'd be landing these tiny shots, but he's landing enough of these shots. Yeah. Just like the ref would be like, "You got to do something," and he'd do it. Like, even if they're not, he's slapping people on the ears. He's like not putting much into them, but he's making you work and he's hitting you and he's winning and he he's implementing his game like. I, I just don't like stand-ups unless it's unless it's just ridiculous and the guy's just clearly not trying to to do anything like like the Stipe the Stipe one like people might have been calling for a stand-up there and then Ganu fight could, maybe because they want to see Ganu maybe have another crack at landing mm-hmm. a big shot but I don't think you let them work like let them work if he can't get up yeah. from that position then he it's effective like you know yeah. I agree. I totally agree. Like, the, if it gets too much, fair enough. Like, especially against the Finns, I think there's a lot of, you know, you get maybe the the, the over under position sometimes, and you just get stuck there, and nobody's willing to to move to get to 100 percent and to get you out of there. Fair enough. Then, or like, if if you're stuck, you know, in the full guard and you can't move, you're postured up. You know, you know, you try the 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 can opener and you can't get the guy to open his full guard, and you're stuck. Fair enough. But like the, in this fight, Hamas, uh, Sabah Hamas. He landed like five, six shots in maybe the, the six or seven seconds before he stood him up. Like this referee, they were literally down on the ground. I'd say no more than five seconds when he was saying work. Like, wh- what are you talking about? Let them work. Let them fight. I, I like, I, I really hate when referees try to coach people. Like, yeah, once the ref starts saying you got to work as well, the other guy's going to try and slow it down and kind of yeah. tie you up and just play the game, and it's just bullshit. Like. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, big knockout as well for Islam Makachev over Gleason Tebow. Yeah, Jesus. You know, yeah, that was a nice knockout. Yeah, uh, and it was actually Tebow, good knockout as well. Been around a long time, but uh, he looks he looks a bit shot worn now. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's had a lot of fights. He's been a lot of a lot of minutes in the octagon as well. He's he's been to a lot of decisions, and I think I think he just looks shot worn, and his chin's not what he used to be either. But but looks at things. Right, we have so much to get. We'll get to next week's UFC card first here for a second. Uh, and just just quickly on this day, it's not a great card. We've Bobby Green against Harry Koch there. Mirsad Bektic is back. Um, yeah, I got a fair pep and not a bad fight. And Nico Price is on that as well. Justine Keish, Vin Pissell, uh, Gregor Gillespie's back. Dennis Bermudez and Andre Feely are pretty good caught main event. But the main event, Jacques Ressouza against Derek Brunson. I kind of forgotten. You mentioned me before the podcast. They fought before and ended in a quick uh, knockout for, for Derek Brunson. But, or for Jacques Ressouza, sorry. Derek Brunson's in, in pretty good uh, pretty good order recently, isn't he? Um yeah. His only recent losses are to a close, a close decision to Anderson Silva, and uh, he got TKO'd by uh, Robert Whitaker, who obviously is looking fantastic these days. And then he got to go back to 2014 when he lost to Yo Romero for his last loss before that. Mm-hmm. So he's been on a, he's been on a streak. Like you know, he's he's not fighting the, the best guys. He fought Lorenz Larkin, beat him by decision. Uh, Ed Herman, he he put him away. Sam Alvey, he put him away. Uh, Rowan Canero, he put him away. Uriah Hall, he put him away. And then uh, most recently, Daniel Kelly and Leona Machida, he, he TKO'd both of them in the first round. So maybe the, the very upper echelon guys are too far from him. And maybe, maybe Jack Ray is still there. Jack Ray is, what, 38, 39, 40 now? It's getting on. Let me is he that old? Jesus, yeah. Actually, yeah. Check that. He, he's been around forever, though. I, I, like, it's, it's hard to know with Jack Ray as well because 
he 38 yeah he yeah. like he's a guy who hasn't fought that much over the last couple of years like he you know he's what is he maybe like three three or four fights in the last three or four in the last three years or so you know that's not great when especially when you're coming to that age like he he was coming to a place where he was getting towards the title you know he was a lot of people were seeing him as the favorite to win the title and it just kind of has kind of gone down the drain a bit it's almost a year again it's april last year since he fought you know what is it 10 nine ten months since he fought again where Derek brunson's been in you know he's been in there fighting and, and knocking knocking dudes out um i don't know i for for some reason i favor brunson a little bit just because of that i think jacare is a better fighter and if it was 100 percent jacare against 100 percent brunson i'd pick jacare all day but i don't know actually i don't know I, i'm kind of going back and forth in this one i haven't put that much thought into it, to be honest but it's a good fight though isn't it yeah I'd have to go with Jack Ray. I just think it, his grappling is just so good. I think that's going to play into the striking for Brunson as well because against a guy as high level as Jack Ray, he's one of the one of the best jiu-jitsu guys ever in, in the UFC. Um, yeah. Currently one of the best. So, uh, yeah, he's 38, but he uh, he's only lost to really top guys as well. You know, he's only lost to like, people like Whitaker and Yo Romero and, and Luke Rockhold and people like that. So, like, he beat Chris Camozzi 18 times as well, like, which is... Uh, yeah, and actually, while we're at the middleweight division, I think it was within the last week, I think it was, where it was announced that Robert Whitaker was out of his fight and uh, Luke yeah. Rockhold against Yola Ramirez in. And Dana White said last night that it's a, a staph infection in his stomach and that it's kind of gone into his organs and stuff, so he's going to be out for a while, I think. So it's a, it's a pretty serious thing. I staph think, is very serious. Like, you've seen some horror pictures of ho- holes in people's bodies due to staph. It, it's it's nasty. It's, and it's it's dr- it's draining, and you need to be on antibiotics, so you're, you're just you're just tired and you're fucked, basically. It's a really, it's a really, like, Kevin Lee had it on his chest, a, a minor version of it, but it sounds like Robert Whitaker's is, is much worse than that. So, yeah, that's, it's, that's nasty. And he... It's it, it, it apparently happens from just dirty mats and stuff like that, but uh, yeah. I think in order to get as bad as it sounds like Whitaker, he must have he must have like neglected it for a while, and uh, that's that sounds very really nasty. But uh, he should make a full recovery and all that. But um, it, it's unfortunate for him. Like it was a big spot. He was he was getting the, the belt. Was he? He was been given the. the he's already belt. yeah. He's the he's the full yeah. champion now, and now there's yeah, an so. interim belt between Luke oh, Rockhold yeah, and Joel Romero. Yeah. So they should make a second 185 belt like they did over lightweight. No, we'll get to that in a second. But yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's mad. Like this is in Australia, and this card was basically made for Robert Whitaker. You know, a kind of a homecoming. Yeah. And now it's Luke Rockhold against Yoel Romero. And in fairness, Luke Rockhold has fought in Australia before, and you know maybe he's not a bad guy to bring in there uh, to fight. Well, they're bringing in Yoel actually, but it's it's a, it's a great fight, but it's it just feels out of place and weird. And you know, this division which people were giving out about for ages about Bisping and GSP then coming in, like, and they were saying Robert Whitaker and Luke Rockhold were going to revolutionize. Well, maybe not revolutionize, but bring that division forward. And then this happens. It's just kind of you know one step back, two step, one step forward, two steps back, even and. Uh, yeah, it's it's it is a bit weird, but it, it should be a good fight, and that's all I care about because belts are only fairy tales anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, at least it has some kind of interest for the for that region because the the winner is going to be facing Robert Whitaker, so it kind of adds a little bit to it, I suppose. Yeah. Right, let's get to Bellator 192, which went down uh, in the fabulous forum in Los Angeles, I believe, at the weekend. Uh, 
we obviously went to uh, to Des Moines, Iowa, to Dave and Buster's and watched this in the bar together with some hot wings and beers. It was great, wasn't it? The flight over. Was <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was lovely, yeah. So. yeah. Whipped out the private Concorde, you know, however we went. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, great. Flew out from Shannon and all. Graham picked me up. He dro- came, down from, <laughs> came down from Dublin. We just flew in. Flew back in time for the for the co-main and main event in, in the UFC. I thought it was really fun. But um, before we get to the... The big fight, which was Lima against Rory, um, Michael Chandler came in, got a got a pretty impressive win over um, over a pretty outmatched guy. To be honest, Aaron Peake got a body shot knockout over an five fight explode FC veteran, which should tell you all you need to know about that guy. Yeah, he had sixteen fights, or he had fifteen. Yeah. He looked fucking out. awful. I know, like, but like you, you can't be giving a one on one guys. Like you know, you yeah. have to give him. Uh, yeah, something. it's fair enough. But still, like he he looked like he looked like a guy you'd feed to CM Punk. He looked that bad. Like <laughs> he'd he, absolutely he, kick the living snot out of CM Punk. Do you think so? He looked fucking awful. Like he just. Pico just went in and just fucking mauled. Even though him. he's 145 pounds, I'd have him as a big favorite over CM Punk. Make that fight, Shane Crutchin. I think he's, he's managed to win. Like he's managed to win 12 fights. I don't think CM Punk could fight for 100 years and manage to win 12 fights. Do you not think so? I think like the Dana White said yesterday actually that CM Punk is coming back. He's giving him another fight, so we'll see. I'm looking forward to. That. I want to see CM Punk. The, the Royal Rumble is coming up next week as well, so hopefully he'll be in that. I'd love to see that. But um, but yeah, what, what did you think? What did you think? Of Pico anyway, that was a beautiful left hook knockout, despite the fella being a shit, basically. Yeah, well, yeah, he, he did what he was meant to do. He, he added to the highlight, really. He's building up the hype. Uh, he's he's put the, the debut loss KO behind him. So, uh, yeah, I think people are back on the, the hype train. So it's 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 job done for, for Pico and Bellator. And I think I think they'll probably give him a, another experienced guy who isn't great in the next fight. Probably do that for a while until he's like five, six, and one, and maybe give him a step up then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's yeah, as you said, it's difficult to know the transition. You know, it, can he be an MMA fighter? Hopefully, he's a his boxing looks really good. He's obviously Olympic level wrestling, so uh, it's interesting to see going forward. A lot of people asking about James Gallagher fight. I don't think that's realistic. They're fighting a different way. It's and Bellator doesn't match up prospects like that to be honest. So yeah, I, I don't think that's happening. Uh, and as we said with Chandler, pretty good again. And hopefully, was that one four five or was that one five five? I think it was one five five. Was it? I don't have it up. I wasn't here. I don't have it. Maybe not. Maybe I might be wrong. Yeah, but someone can look it up and tell us. I'm sure. Um, Chael versus Rampage. This kind of <laughs> weird, uh, weird fight that went exactly kind of like we predicted. Chael getting a few takedowns. Chael stand up. I mentioned it last week, and he said it himself afterwards. It's underrated. His boxing is not bad. I, you've said it before yeah. as well, I know, but lots of people kind of just write Chael off as he's just a wrestler or nothing else. His boxing isn't bad. Yeah, no, it isn't. He has a few sneaky punches, and his mm-hmm. left hand is dangerous, and he's uh, he's he's not afraid to throw. Like you know, a lot of a lot of guys who are who are really dominant wrestlers they they don't really mess around on the feet but chael chael's willing to kind of work his way in there and keep you guessing before getting the takedown and like rampage like whew, he just came in overweight and fat and just uh i think heavyweight is a bad idea for him i think 205 just makes him have to have to train hard in order to make the weight uh in, so it kind of benefits him in that way obviously it's it's he'd prefer not to have to do it but um yeah. It's a takedown deficiencies of rampage. He just like again flat, flat in the back, shoulders on the on the ground, not even trying to get up most of the time. Just getting frustrated on the bottom. Chael, perfect game plan, well executed. 
that was that was the blueprint to win, and he and he, he did it. So fair play to him. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I think the casuals obviously would would know these two better and maybe draw them in better. And they're trying to go up against a UC pay per view, so that's why they put them as the main event. But uh, but um, yeah, if they're, if it would it would kind of make sense if you were if if they made it a five round fight by having it as the main event, but just having the three round main event afterwards is a bit weird. But I understand why they did it, and it, it probably makes financial or like viewership and financial sense. But it's kind of disrespectful to to Douglas Lima uh, as, as your champion and to your belts. Mm-hmm. Ch- Chill said this thing before about in fights that, that there's kind of disagreement that happen an agreement that happens where one one fellow makes the agreement that. I'm going to stop hurting you, and the other fellow makes the agreement, I'm going to stop trying to win. And I think that kind of happened in this fight. I think Rampage was just like, I'm not going to win. And Chael was like, I'm not going to hurt you, but I'm going to still win. You know, I, I just think that happened. Like, uh, when this fight was happening, and I watched the first two rounds, and then the Francis Singano fight against Stephen Miocic came on, so I switched back. And I watched the, the last round this morning, and there was a, a stage where they were leaning against the fence, and I was like, neither of these guys wants to be here. You know, they really don't. These guys are both fighting just to keep doing what they've been doing for ages for the money, for the spotlight. You know, Chelsea's podcast is still going. You know, he, he, want, he wants to get people listening to that. You know, he wants to get on the mic. He wants to, you know, keep. He's a competitor, but like, it, it just doesn't seem to fire. Like, it, it seemed like a pro wrestling match. They were just, I don't know. It just had a weird feeling on it, that fight. It just didn't seem like. Uh, it wasn't a high level fight it was a bad fight it, it was very average as you said Quentin Rampage Jackson is not the fighter he used to be the, this dangerous knockout artist back when MMA was was a different sport basically uh, you know er, ever since people have getting really well rounded and people can take him down uh, he, he has been you know he's been totally out of the game basically but yeah it was, it was a bad fight and the main event it left probably a sour taste in people's mouths if they were watching it and weren't watching the UFC as well. But maybe the fact that the UFC was on and people were switching between it, that kind of saved them a bit because the McDonald's and Lima fight was actually on in the middle of UFC fights or, or in, during a catter yeah. fight that nobody gave a fuck about. So that kind of helped them a little bit, I think. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, yeah, they're definitely not as, uh, as hungry <laughs> as they used to be, but it's hard to be when you're, what, like... 45 50 fights deep into a career like i think rampage is 50th fight and chael's 45th fight mm-hmm. yeah. yeah you kind of you kind of you're trying to make the, the most money you can before you get out of there and i think they know that i think bellator just want to use these guys to, to to get viewers in so they can promote other guys like like roy mcdonald and lima and then like chandler and pico and people like this so i think uh everybody kind of knows where they stand like the chael chael like He's he's a strange he's a strange one, Chael, because he's <laughs> he's just he's just uh, Imagine if he won the tournament. Imagine huh? imagine if he won the heavyweight tournament. Yeah, I wouldn't be that surprised. Like you put a heavyweight on his back and heavyweights find it hard to get up, but uh um depending on what happens, like uh, actually who is who is he also gonna fight Czech Congo against who? Yeah, Czech Congo against uh J J what's his name? Oh, J, J, um... Anyway, Czech Congo's going to come in and eye poke and knee yeah. in the balls his way to the, <laughs> to the he title. Is, he is. is fighting either Fedor or Frank Mir next. They're fighting in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, or maybe longer than Fedor that. Fedor and Mir, yeah, that's, a, that's yeah. an interesting one. 
I think Fedor probably win that. Maybe Frank Mir has looked badly out of shape and stuff over the yeah. last while. And I think Rampage or um, uh, Chael could beat Fedor. I really want to see that fight. I want to see that fight for ages. That that's a that's a good fight because, like, okay, Chael's a light heavyweight, but Fedor is not a genuine heavyweight. Like Fedor is, Fedor is kind of a fat light heavyweight. You know, that could should probably should have been getting down to two or five, and maybe even a little bit lower. You know, he's just not a not a huge guy like and i think that's that's a pretty good fight and it should be fun and looking forward to that but uh yeah what, what about rory mcdonald versus versus douglas lima this was this wasn't a particularly exciting fight but it was extremely intense and it was high level and it was it had everything you kind of want in a championship fight while pre maybe not being clear or he kind of was nicking it the whole way through. Did you think the same? Yeah, I thought it was actually a really good fight. I really enjoyed yeah. it. Um, it. It was. Uh, it, it, I thought it was. I thought it was Rory. Yeah, I thought Rory four one. But <laughs> yeah, I understand. Yeah. There, there was a couple of very close rounds in there. Like if if, if somebody had a forty eight, forty seven, Rory, or even the other way, you could probably make an argument for it. As you were saying, it was kind of two cards going on at the same time, so it was kind of hard to to fully watch and score all these all these rounds as they were happening, but. Probably have to go back and watch it to make a definitive scorecard. But uh, I thought I thought Roy oh, I, there wasn't much doubt in my mind when they were going to read the decision that Rory was going to win. But he the leg, the shin, his Rory's shin was was messed up bad, and um, like there was a, there was a point in the fight where I think it was the third round where he came out de- desperate for a takedown yeah, because of the leg. Us, it must yeah. have been, and he he got reversed and mounted, and and no, he, yeah yeah yeah. He ate a bit of damage there, like, and his I think his nose was a bit busted up then, and it looked like it could be turning against him. It looked like mm-hmm. maybe, but you, you kind of know deep down that Rory's just hard as nails, and that he he loves this shit, even if he's getting pummeled in the face. He's he's enjoying himself because he's just a freak. He's just a weirdo, and <laughs> and uh, he did really well to overcome that leg injury because like he had to change up his game plan. I don't think he was planning on being so wrestle heavy. Yeah. Um. But he had to change it up, and his experience showed. And but Douglas Lima put up a really good performance as well. Uh, like everybody knows how good Roy McDonald is. I think a lot of people maybe didn't. A lot of casuals, a lot of people maybe even haven't heard of Douglas Lima. But he's he's really putting it together recently. Um, he's a champion for a reason, and he, he put on a five round war there. That was about like okay, I had Rory winning pretty comfortably in the end on the scorecards. But as I said, them rounds were close and. Uh, couple of little things here or there maybe one more stuff tight down in the fourth round when Rory got on top and it would have been a different story so fair play to Douglas Liam as well but uh yeah Rory McDonald finally got his uh quote world title mm. well, when he's a win over Tyron Woodley I think it's fair enough to call him the world champion you know this I, I think that's I think that's a, an argument you can make I said it before and uh, and there's no point changing now but like I I think well a world champion this yeah, was kind the of world champion mm, maybe like he's lost a couple of times since then, since the Woodley win. He has, yeah, but like he lost the one by Thompson, and so did Woodley, kind of, didn't he? You know, he he drew with him in the first round. Oh, yeah, the first one, I thought I thought Thompson won, and then the second yeah. one, I thought Woodley won. I think. Uh, I I think it was the other way around, wasn't it? Or maybe it's a draw. I can't remember actually. I have to. I think I, the first I, one was I, a draw, and the second one was won by. I think. I thought, or yeah, I'd have, my scores are probably on MMA decisions, but uh, so boring I anyway. I can't remember. Yeah. But yeah. I, you made a great point there about Rory going for that takedown and getting mounted and stuff. And it was, it was really, he was, I tweeted at the time, it was desperation stuff. He had to because he was injured. But the round after that, then I believe it was the fifth round. 
he needed it again and he got it you know he got on top and it was an absolutely huge takedown and it it really did like it, it, the the fight was you know it was 50-50 at that said you wouldn't you didn't know was it even or you know Lima might have been edging ahead and i think Rory actually on my card won the fifth round 10-8 he he did an awful lot of damage he stayed on top and and did very well but it, it's after I was kind of thinking, look at Daniel Cormier, and I said earlier about the stench of John Jones off of him. Like, Rory, Rory was minutes away from winning a UFC title, and he it was injury that took him out of it. You know, his nose was absolutely bursted, and he literally it was like falling off the edge of a cliff. I remember saying it at the time on the podcast, he just, he couldn't go anymore. It was injury. His face got so badly injured that he kind of collapsed and he lost because of that and he was facing a similar thing here like he's one of his wheels was gone like his leg was absolutely destroyed he could barely walk on it and he got through that you know he exercised those demons and he got through it and he won this belt now you, you know you can argue fair enough you know it's a bellator belt and all that but i'm sure i'm sure rory mcdonald is very very happy with it and happy to have exercised those demons against as you said a legit guy like like lee man it's you know looking at daniel Cormier, it's a pity he can't do the same and and maybe he has a little bit but you know rory kind of definitely did as well last night and it was it was good to see because I think he's one of the good guys as well, and he's a very very underrated fighter, really good technical fighter, well rounded guy, and um, it's kind of nice to see someone like that who you know we were talking about it last week in the shadow of GSP for a long time, and people talking about him being the next big thing, and it never kind of materialized, but I think maybe this is is the start of it now. Scott Coker says he's taking him to um to Canada with his next fight as well, and hopefully he'll be the main event in that one. So yeah, any any fun thoughts on that one yeah i think it's i think it's uh it's deserved for for rory to to, to finally get there and uh, to to the top even if it isn't bellator it, it was as we said it was against uh it's one of their better divisions and it was against a really tough guy i think it's good for bellator as well i think it's important that they have somebody like rory mcdonald winning it's it, okay if, if douglas lima beats rory mcdonald he gets a bit of a, a shine off that but i don't think he he'd be as popular as rory mcdonald especially with the canadian market being a very loyal as well, the uh, fan base, and I think it opens up. It opens up big fights for for uh, Bellator in Canada with Rory in the main event. Do you know what I want to see? Rory McDonald versus Ben Askren. Make that fight. Make yeah, it. I'd like to see Koreshkov as well. Yeah, me too. Yeah, Koreshkov is excellent. Like I know he lost to uh, to Douglas Lima, and he beat Douglas Lima as well, I believe. So maybe that fight is something that could happen again for for a shot at it if if someone else gets in there. But yeah, I'd like to see yeah. Koreshkov as well. That that division is really good. Yeah, exactly. And then Lorenz Larkin could maybe put a couple of wins together as well. And Paul Daly's still mm -hmm. there, even though he's given out about his treatment or whatever. He's he's always given out about something. So yeah, they, yeah. they have a pretty yeah. stacked, pretty their most stacked division. MVP as well. Make that fight happen. MVP yeah, against Rory. I'd like to see that. Yeah. Boxing. 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 Scott Coker said he'd be back <coughs> um, April or May. Want to hurry up. Uh, and he also, like, want to hurry up. Yeah. Scott Coker also said he's working on a TV deal for uh, for the UK and Ireland. So, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that in, in 2040. You know, that's going to be great. So we can watch that. Um, yeah, it's such such fucking bullshit, isn't it? We say it so much. We've said it so many times on here, but I, I've tried to lead the way again with like talking about this and trying to get it out there. And people seem to be getting a little bit mad. I remember talking about it on the podcast a year or so ago, 
and people weren't mad enough. But I think people are kind of getting mad now, and I'm that kind of makes me happy because they should be mad. Like this, Bellator is an American TV show. It's not a fight promotion until it gives a shit about the rest of the world, and it, unless until it, you know lets people watch it, you know it's it's an American TV show for me. So let's move yeah, on. People, people are always on. Like we always talk about this. People are always on. How can we watch this? How can we watch this? Yeah, it's, always. It's, it's ridiculous. It actually is ridiculous. But yeah. we've talked about it so many times that we're just repeating ourselves. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of repeating ourselves, let's talk about Conor McGregor. <laughs> um, this week, Dana White announced that Habib Nurmagomedov was taking on uh, Tony Ferguson at, I believe it's UFC 223, is it? Anyway, it doesn't really matter. In an upcoming card in the main event for the undisputed, maybe, lightweight title. While Conor McGregor has not been stripped of his title yet. So... This is yeah. this is Schrodinger's belt. The title bot exists with Conor McGregor. Well, if and it bot exists, yeah, with if, 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 if people were unsure whether belts meant meant what people say they mean or not, yeah. then I think they can they can figure it out now that their Nate Diaz is right. All hail King Nate. Fairy tales, absolute fairy tales. Like it's this is the most hilarious thing ever. Like they just promote the it. They just promote it to the to, to the the people who don't know what they're they're talking about the casuals the the people who who aren't even casuals who who maybe just watch because of the the the, the connor fight waiting mm-hmm. like is, is it gonna matter to, is it gonna matter to them if it's an interim belt or not like is it gonna matter that it's a full belt yeah i don't really know i don't like i think like this is this is a really bad move like i don't like i don't like interim belts but this is this is even worse stupidity this, like this is just nonsense like okay yeah, interim yeah. belts like nobody really likes them people people give out about them but like this is like if you had asked a few months ago were they going to make a second belt in a division or maybe make it nobody really knows what's going on dane is answering or is this for the full belt yes so connor is connor stripped we'll see we don't we don't know no like you know it, yeah it doesn't even make sense no it, like it makes sense at least an interim kind of makes sense like it, yeah kind of makes sense like but mm-hmm. this just doesn't make sense it makes sense for nobody like like for the UFC saying Connor hasn't fought in so long. Connor fought five months ago in a fight nah, in about boxing belt, yeah. In, no, no, but hold on, hold on, hold on. He fought in about promoted by the UFC five months ago. Like, fair enough if Connor McGregor says I'm not fighting for another six months or something, and he's going to be out of out of play for a year or something. But do you know, Dana White is the only one who said that. I haven't heard Connor McGregor saying that anywhere. When did Connor McGregor say he's not going to come back till September? Like people take Dana White's word to, to, like as gospel too much in these things, and everyone is saying that. Like Conor McGregor is saying he's not coming back until September. He's never said that. Yeah. Like yeah, I think it's weird, and the fact is, well, like okay, that's one thing. Conor McGregor fought five months ago. Conor McGregor could say, "I'm going to fight International Fight Week," which is what three, three and a half, four months away, or whatever, or, or earlier than that, even whatever. I'm going to fight the winner of that here he's a set date he's coming back why would you strip him of the title then when he's a date set right fair enough that's for him that's for the ufc they're gonna obviously make more money off of that and if you're habib and tony why in the name of god would you want conor mcgregor stripped why because why would conor anybody McGregor... involved want him stripped? why would dana endeavor conor why would Khabib yeah. tony why would any of the coaches involved everybody's gonna like everybody who's making money on this the coaches are making what 10 20 percent they should want uh, Connor to still have the belt, yeah. just because it is a prop and it does work. Like there's a reason why they have these belts and they bring in interim belts because they they must think that it works. Like they must think that okay, if we have a belt in the promo, the casuals or these people who 
dip in and out are more interested. But it's not just the work. If you're Habib, if you're Habib and Tony, you're losing your golden ticket to a Conor McGregor fight. Like he might, ne- there's no guarantee that he's going to fight you. Fair enough. But like you're you losing anyway. If Conor McGregor stripped, why would he fight Habib Nurmagomedov or Tony Ferguson? They're not a draw. Like it, the only reason are connected to him is because he has that belt. And if he doesn't have that belt, he's going to go and fight GSP or he's going to go and fight Manny Pacquiao or someone else. And that's the only reason. Like, you never see Manny or um, Max Holloway connected to McGregor now, do you, ever? Because he doesn't have that belt anymore because he got stripped of that belt. I bet you Max Holloway would love to fight Conor McGregor. He'd love to be connected to him in some way. You know, it's it makes absolutely no sense. And someone was saying to me then as well, Habib doesn't care about his legacy or, or Habib only cares about his legacy he doesn't care about money well tell me this what would what would beating Conor McGregor do for your legacy if that's it's bullshit like but if that was true what's a bigger win Tony Ferguson or Conor McGregor for your legacy what's a bigger win obviously Conor McGregor like yeah. Conor McGregor like it's, it's the biggest have in the sport yeah. like Nate Diaz is now like everybody knows who he is because he beat Conor yeah I like there's this it's people try to look at MMA as if it's like NFL or something or some some sport that's down the line like the MMA is not like that MMA is prize fighting and it's run by the UFC with an iron fist you know it's it's really like people not getting this after so many years maybe maybe people who have been watching it for years get it and stuff but like this this is to make big events to make lots of money but Tony Ferguson and Habib Nurmagomedov should want to make that big money. They should want to fight Conor McGregor to make that big money. They should want to fight Conor McGregor because he's a champion. He knocked out Eddie Alvarez. He was the featherweight champion. He's a great fighter. He's after fighting Fly Mayweather in boxing. He, you know, he's a, a revolutionary guy in the sport. They should want to fight him anywhere for that. And like, I, I just like, why would you give up? your hold on that fight. Why would you want to do that? It just makes no sense for me. And for like for the UFC as well, Dana White is shivering his boots here because he's totally afraid. He's afraid McGregor will never fight again. And when he, you know, this this thing about stripping out of the belt, it was trying to entice him back to fight again. And when it didn't work, he's now kind of pulling out of it because he doesn't want to, you know, yeah, he didn't drive want to McGregor away. He, uh, he didn't want to say you're taking his belt away probably because he didn't want to piss off Connor. Yeah. That's so, what I took from it anyway. Yeah, it, it's so weird. Uh, like after all that, though, like this, this I really don't Connor, care about Connor, this. Connor's like, I so really well don't. As well. like, yeah, he, he is. He's just saying nothing. Well. He's just sitting there saying nothing. And when he comes back, he knows it's going to be absolutely huge. He knows Dana doesn't. He knows how the game works. He knows Dana and Endeavor don't want don't want to strip him of the belt. Mm-hmm. So he's in negotiations with them. Dana's probably I don't know how negotiations are going, but Dana's probably trying to put a bit of pressure on him. But Connor Connor knows that that's what's happening. Like you, you see. It worked with other fighters. Dana will put pressure on them, saying, "Oh, if you don't take this fight, then we'll give it to somebody else." Like the, the Eddie Alvarez fight, even though Eddie should have known that he's a champion. Connor's been talking about dual weight championships for years, and um, like Dana's just la- sitting back laughing, being like, "Yeah, hey, Eddie." And like this belt, the belt is only a pawn. <laughs> <laughs> the belt, the belt is literally only a pawn in all of this. Like this is all a negotiation tactic by Dana White and by Conor McGregor, and like the belt is upon it. Habib Nurmagomedov is upon it. Tony Ferguson's upon it. They, they're all just pawns in it. Uh, like you, you could feel sorry for him a little bit, but like people are eating it up as well. Like they're eating up these wolf tickets. They really are. Like this belt, this belt stuff doesn't matter a shit. It's the big events that they want to put on. You know. It, mm. 
it's it's yeah. weird. I like and funny I, is that everybody thinks yeah. that Diaz winners are really stupid, but the wolf ticket thing from Nick Diaz is is genius. Described yeah, it, brilliantly, and the the props yeah, belts is fairy tale yeah. stuff is is brilliant. Is it like it is. people think because they're oh they might speak slowly and talk like stoners and what and fuck this and all that stuff but if you actually Stop listen them. to what if you actually listen to what they're saying when they're actually making a proper point uh, a lot of it is actually pretty intelligent yeah. and it under, shows all a good understanding of how the business works like they yeah. understand they're yeah. private contractors yeah. and it's prize fighting and that you make the money like Nate Diaz made a lot of money because he waited for the, before the second fight he waited to agree to deal he said mm-hmm. he, Connor didn't turn up to the press conference got pulled from the fight they were like, we'll give you another fight. And it's like, I'm not fighting. And like he said at the press conference in front of everybody, I'm not fighting anybody but Connor. Like, I'll, I'll yeah. go back to Tabo. Like, you know, see you later. 100%. Like, and I think there's an interesting perspective as well because for the last 10 minutes or whatever we've been discussing this, we've been looking at this from Connor McGregor's perspective, from Dana White, from Habib Magomedov, from Tony Ferguson, and how maybe they are thinking about it and how they should be thinking about it. But like, people listening to this podcast shouldn't be looking at it from that perspective. They should be looking at it from a fan's perspective. And that's how I try to look at it most of the time, unless we're discussing it like we just have there. Like, for me, Habib Nurmagomedov versus Tony Ferguson's a great fight, and I want to see that fight. You know, that's that's a brilliant fight. Make the, I don't care about the brilliant fight. I think, to, I, I, I think Tony's going to get eaten alive. Yeah, I do as well, but it's I still want to see it. Like, I still think it's a good fight. Like, Tony's that's dangerous fight. his back. Fight, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Tony could triangle him. I could see that happening. You know, Tony could catch him coming in. Tony's dangerous guy. Tony's good wrestling as well. Maybe I don't think he will stop it, but maybe he could. And you know, he could yeah. eat him up on the feet. You know, I I do think Habib is yeah, Khabib is always, always vulnerable uh, on the feet early, especially. But I think I, I I don't think Tony's that big hitter that can just put you away at one shot. Yeah. I think that's what's going to be Khabib. But yeah, Khabib does have deficiencies in this game that it, a proper game plan, well executed by Tony can possibly get it done but I don't think it's mm-hmm. as close as a lot of people make it out like I've seen a lot of people picking Tony and Anthony Nile McGrath I know I've seen a lot of people picking Tony <laughs> yeah. but um, I think uh, I think I'd like I'd have to watch a bit of tape but I've seen a lot of these guys throughout the years and I think I think uh, I think uh, Tony's in for a tough 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 fight there yeah I agree with that but like my my kind of point is, if you want to see that fight, you should want to see it, no matter where whether it's an interim belt or no belt or yeah. the full belt. Like that, your perspective shouldn't be swayed by a letter before the C or no C. You know what difference does that make? Like Carlos Condit versus Matt Brown, if that's over five rounds, Dustin Poirier over Justin Gaethje, if there's no belts on the line for them, like the only the only difference that makes is if they are five rounds. Like if, if I think Gaethje or um. Uh, Condit versus Brown is going to be three rounds, and that's unfortunate. Like, so I can understand it from that point of view. But if that's not like what, what did I mean? I know it means stuff for the fighters and stuff because they get more money if they have a belt on, on the line and stuff. But for the fans, pay per view points, all that, yeah, yeah. For the fans, yeah, that shouldn't okay. It should matter to you if you like your fighter, fair enough. But from your perspective, you just want to see the great fights and. You know, these belts and stuff are all bells and whistles. What really happens is when two guys go out and they trade leather, they get takedowns, they get go for submissions. That's what you should be caring about more than anything else. And I think it's important to keep that perspective. And that's something I've been kind of big on over the last year or so, keeping that perspective of why you actually enjoy the sport and why you want to watch it and not be taken away by all this bullshit talk and stuff like that. So. There you go. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's just, it's just I want to see the best fights possible and the best matchups, and it doesn't really matter to me if obviously the five round thing, as you said, is like it's it's really annoying when a top level fight between two really good guys is only three rounds, and 
you're just you're just sitting there being even in the second round you're like oh wish this was five rounds yeah, so yeah. Way, but they, they they can just like like i have no problem with them picking and choosing which fights are, are five rounds even not main events. like i don't Me know too. why that isn't a thing but it took it took years and years for the, the main events to become five rounds so mma changes very slowly yeah what, what did you what did you think of where the media performed in that press conference asking questions to Dana White and stuff. For, for me personally, I thought they did a great job. I thought did Brett Akamoto did a great job of asking the question. Uh, John John Morgan asked it first, then Brett Akamoto asked it again and asked it twice, then Ariel asked it like three times and they kept yeah. pushing it. Dana and, was like, getting visibly annoyed, but they just <laughs> they, they just like give us an answer. It's a simple question kind of thing. Like, yeah. Yeah, and he was getting very aggressive because I, I think I tweeted at the time he was getting aggressive because he didn't have an answer he sh- for a question he should have had an answer for, you know. And <laughs> people were giving out about the media after that, that saying that they, they, you know, they weren't shoving it down Dana White's throat enough. And so I was like, Jesus, how much more? It's asked so maybe six times. Like, yeah, and there's only so much you can do. If he's not going to answer it, he's not going to answer it. Like, fair enough. But I thought they actually did a phenomenal job. And you know, maybe usually they all, they don't. I think Ariel does a, does his best, and and Brett Okamoto as well, and and other, other guys. But there is only a certain amount of guys. Like, how many questions can Ariel and Brett and guys like that ask? You know, and any questions you can get at, at press conferences like that. And there isn't enough guys there or, or girls or whatever to ask those questions that know what to ask. You know, most of them are just looking for a screenshot to put up on Facebook. Let's be honest here when they ask a question in, in a in a press conference like that and uh, you know taking selfies with the mgn line and stuff that's that's what a lot of media members are there for i'm not even going to lie about it like you know uh, so yeah it, 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 i yeah, think the people who actually go out of their way to ask questions especially when dane is visibly annoyed and and mm-hmm. you know uh it's it, it, it doesn't there, seem man? like much it, it, do, it doesn't seem like much um somebody's like my dog barking somebody rang the door oh, um, nice what's, your, what's your dog's name uh buddy He's gone mad. Um, <laughs> What's yeah. the dog's name? I think we should just leave Buddy. it in. Buddy. What kind of dog? Buddy. He's a cocker spaniel. Oh, nice. Little little rascal, is he? Yeah, he is. Yeah. I can't remember what he's going to say now. He's distracted me. Yeah. Well, we just move on. Let's move on to the yeah. let's move on to the questions because we'll be here all day. We're well over. We're c- coming close to an hour and a half in now. Anyway, so this is um this has been a fun podcast. As, as I said, you can send us questions at Severe Me Pod throughout the week. Get them into us uh, Severe Me Podcast at gmail.com as well. If you uh, if you're not on Twitter or anything like that. Um, right. First question from from Mr. Podge, and he quotes something about Dana White telling fighters to become stars themselves uh, instead of begging for money fights, and he basically says, how do I become a promoter and tell my staff to do my job for me? This is something you've... Do you kind of agree with Dana White on this a little bit? That Well, there's definitely there's definitely a part of it. I think like a, a lot of fans are like, oh, why didn't they push this guy? Why didn't they push that guy? It's you have to push people who are pushable and you have to push people yeah. who are willing to do all this media. And it's like, it's not like we, 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 we follow Connor around for years and before like a couple of weeks before the fight, he is constantly going all over the place doing interviews and it's not easy. Like, you know, you're trying to cut weight, you're trying to get ready for the fight. You're doing all this media. You're, you're going up and down to like LA and you're, you're doing video links and you're on the phone constantly answering, answering the same questions over and over again. And, um, it's, it's not easy. Like, you know, Rhonda didn't want to do any, any, um, any media before her her comeback for a reason. Connor didn't want to do any media uh, before the UFC 200 and got pulled from the card because it, it is tough. It's tough. Like it's not. It's not just oh the UFC decide you're going to be a star and you're a star. Like it, it, mm-hmm. a lot of work has to go into it. Like you know, it's not as easy as that. 
people yeah. seem to simplify it a bit like but it needs it needs both it needs both ends like you know uh some guys you, you don't know anything about them they haven't made a video they, have, they don't do interviews and you can't be expected to be chosen for a push or like put in these big spots early maybe when you're when you're not doing the media yeah, that was a bit weird as well with Steve the other day, like giving out about Francis getting a push. Like, I've never heard, you know, the MMA media are usually of fighters when they do interviews. Like, you know, we, we joke about Niall, Niall McGraw with, uh, with uh, Pat Healy and Paul Felder not being best friends with him because they give him interviews. But like, I've never seen so many MMA media members coming out after interviewing Steve Miocic and saying he's a terrible interview. Like, I've, it's weird. It's odd that people say that, but like you you see a lot of them actually saying it and like Stipe even you know the post fight press conference the pre-fight um media scrum one more dancers you know not really sounding a little bit pissed off at times but he's not but you know should, should he I, I think the UFC actually they do a pretty good job a lot of the time to be honest with, with people like that like they, they, they brought in the firemen for Stipe um uh, you know, at his pre-fight press conference, they brought him to Welch's gym. Well, I think they brought everyone to Welch's gym. In fairness, but they're they're obviously like they put put Steve in like the the Cleveland Cavaliers um, parade through the city and everything like that. I think they've done. They brought brought a whole uh, event to Cleveland for Steve. I think they've done a pretty good job with Steve. To be honest, and uh, even Joanna, they've done a good job with. I think uh, Holly Holm, they did a good job with as well. They put her in kind of a, par- a parade afterwards. I think they do a good job a lot of the time. But there, I agree. There's kind of a little bit you have to do yourself. Yeah, a lot of these like entertainment variety morning shows and all that that people who are getting are getting ready or say Connor or Diaz and Eddie Alvarez and Ronda and all getting on ahead of the big fights. They. They, they they have a lot of people to choose from. They maybe don't want certain guys like you know if like they want Connor obviously because he's he's gonna say something outrageous or he's 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 gonna be entertaining and so is Diaz and so is Ronda. Ronda was give good interviews like she did the Allen show that was good. like you know it's hard to get on that show like it's not as if the UC are just like uh who, like who, uh, Cynthia Cavallo or Cynthia Cavallo. It's not as if they're just like, oh, we don't want her on that show. That show, probably, them shows probably don't want, like, Ellen doesn't want her on. You know, mm-hmm. she's, she's, like, it's not just as simple as people make it out to be. Like, oh, why don't you push him? Why don't you push her? It's, it's, it takes a bit of, you need that X factor. You need that, you need to be entertaining and you need to kind of cross over out of the, out of the, the MMA world into the, into the entertainment world and kind of know how it works and know what they're looking for in these interviews and try to make it humorous and, yeah it's it's it takes a unique character like or it takes a time maybe if you're if you're like a chuck adele who's maybe not that high on personality but you're just you're you're you look mean and you're knocking guys out for years and you can get on shows like that but that 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 takes time like that takes years Mm -hmm. it's not as if if they had to just push chuck straight away that he would have been a big star it's just sometimes the the timing isn't right and sometimes it'll just never happen for people as well. Like that's that's just uh, a reality of it as well. Like it's never going to happen for Steve. I don't think he just doesn't have the personality, or yeah. he's a really good fighter. But I just think it's never like, going to happen. Bisbing even took ages for people to come around to Bisbing. Like the uh, UFC pushed him for years, gave him nice matchups, gave him main events uh, in in his hometown, um, tried to push him. Like gave him um, a couple of number one contender fights, which he ended up losing, and then. 
like he didn't really like you know he's in a few little cameos in like Twin Peaks and in movies and stuff, but he's he hasn't really broken through it. Like even if the UFC do push it, it doesn't really make you necessarily a mainstream star. Like it, it's got a click, and I think it took a while to click with MMA fans for for Bisping, and I don't think it has clicked with the the greater audience. Yeah, uh, Mr. Pod Justin, what are the odds the fight between Tony Ferguson and Habib Nurmagomedov actually oh, takes no, place? Yeah, I was gonna say that earlier, but I just like, uh, it's just I think you put out a tweet, was it 2015, 2016, 2017, and now 2018? It's been booked. Mm-hmm. Man's got international objectives, statistics, <laughs> perspiration thing, <laughs> links effect. Yeah, it, it is hard a little bit to get excited about. I'm still excited about it, but. You know, I've 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 been hurt before. <laughs> you, see, you see Tony mentioning the the point five that I was talking about with, with uh, Khabib not being able to make one fifty five. Oh, did he say that? Tony Tony is Tony is a bit of a Graham, already, didn't he? In fairness, he's uh, he's a poor poor man's Graham. <laughs> like Tony Ferguson these days, he's glass. Don't hurt me! Don't hurt me! <laughs> His glasses got blown off there recently, and he he they got broken, and so we went in there. I got new glasses. He actually got new glasses. Well, yeah, we both got new glasses. But he's to wait like four days, you know, to get him back. And now he's just wearing his his prescription sunglasses everywhere because he's no spare glasses or anything. He looks like Tony Ferguson gone around the whole place. <laughs> That's his uh, Matt Brown coming back from retirement. Mister Podge asks, "Does anyone say retired? What's your favorite?" retirement comeback as well he asks oh my favorite retirement comeback gsp mm. has to be up there that was pretty good connor's is pretty good after he retired for a day <laughs> in, in, iceland. <laughs> in iceland yeah thanks for the cheese that was that was pretty um, amazing yeah randy couture he, he came back pretty successfully after the i suppose it was kind of a retirement the whole court case thing kind of not really he was just trying to get out of his contract i think but uh mm. Mm, they all come back like they all come back they all come back yeah Carl Binder is the only one no Cole Conrad Cole Conrad Conrad. wait for his return he's gonna he's gonna storm into the heavyweight tournament I can't believe they didn't get him in the tournament come on what's going on yeah yeah Um, Wally Frogmore asks Francis Ingenau Francis Ingenau described Derek Lewis as bullshit and does this make him (laughs) captain of Team Sheehan yeah it has to be up there definitely has to be up there Uh, Stian Berglund at D-U-F-F-E 21 what makes Sean Sheehan more happy Sanchez United or Frank Yeager's ninth title shot Uh, yeah Sanchez United which will hopefully has that that happened yet no no not yet. No, he's he's in Carrington at the moment doing his um doing his medical and Mkhitaryan is down in uh, Arsenal doing his. It, that's like the best transfer of all time. They're both twenty nine, and it's a straight swap Sanchez for Mkhitaryan. What a deal! Like from Man United, that's unbelievable. That is well, it's, it's, it's just to do with it. it's basically you get nothing for him, and if, when the window shuts, or you you take you take something. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah. I think it's a good deal for both of them. Like to be honest, yeah, because uh, Arsenal would be getting party. Yeah, apparently the dressing room aren't aren't happy with him as well. They want rid of him. So yeah, but or apparently he wanted to stay, and but Arsenal just refused to pay. But um, yeah, the people calling him isn't it gas? Like people calling him a mercenary. He's only going for the money. He picked them over Man well, City. It's Man City. Like, as if Man City would be paying him nothing. Like, what the fuck are people talking about? I know, but I know, but like, he's definitely massive motivation in it is the money. Right. If, uh, if Sevilla started doing really well in La Liga and were like 15 points ahead, playing really good football, had a really good team, and Real Madrid came in and offered you more money. 
to play for them than Sevilla, who would you who would you go and play for? But Sevilla and Man City are very different, though. Why? Man City are a nothing team. Like Man City were in the fucking first division seven or eight years ago or whatever. Maybe yeah, they've won, they've won the, the the provincial league recently enough. Like Sevilla Sevilla won, won the won the UEFA Cup. What, yeah, what exactly, if they did yeah. win went and won two leagues? Still, if they won two leagues and then they, were they have billionaire owners and yeah, what if they did like you still want you still want to play for Real Madrid though, wouldn't you? Because they're a big club. It's the same with Man United. Man City well, are Real Madrid and Man United are very fans. different as well. Uh, Real Madrid are like streets ahead of Man United at the moment. Not really. Not really. Real Madrid are they're shit. They're, like, fucking, season, they're almost falling out of the top four. Uh, they're after winning like two Champions Leagues in like in three Spain. years. Or... Yeah, yeah. Listen, <laughs> Man United. It United won two Champions Leagues in twenty odd years with Ferguson. You know, they won a bunch of provincial bullshit. Like, but. Is there, any cup, is there any cup years. Liverpool have won more recently than Man United? The, not the Champions League, not the UEFA Cup, not the Premier League, not the FA Cup, not the League Cup. Is there every cup Man United has won more recently than Liverpool? Pretty not great. Yeah. And also, Liverpool sold their best player to a big club, and Man United took the best player of another club. Did Man United win the Club World Championships, did they? No. Did Liverpool win that? I think Liverpool won that more recently than my mind. I think my, I Liverpool have, 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 yeah. have they won one or they have? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, you know, there used to be two of them back in 2000, I suppose it would have been after 99. There was two of them, Man United won one of them and they lost the other one. But, um, yeah. There was two of them? Was it not like yeah, the... There was, there was like a shield, I think, and then like a... Super Cup. Yeah, I don't know, something like that. That's different, that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, world, yeah. the Champions of the World, that was the kind of... I can't even remember the one after 2000. Basically, when you're Champions of Europe, you're the best team in the world, so like... Yeah. Like, you just go America on it and just pretend they're the best team in the world if they win the the country's title. Or do you? Pro- yeah. It's a, it's it's kind of a it's a weird tournament because it ends up putting you behind in in games and fixtures yeah, and in, in in the league and you're kind of playing catch up. So you kind of it's kind of one you don't want to be in, but obviously you you want to be world champions. But it's it's, it's a strange one the way it's in the middle of the season as well. They need to sort that out and just change that up. Like. Anyway, I don't know how we got yeah. onto that. But, yeah. yeah, Nobler asked about uh, Habib and Tony. You know, we talked about that, and he asked about who should be next for Rory. I think we both agree. Ben Askren, get him in, get that, get that fight made. Uh, Team Sheehan is is Sean putting a hex on the members of Team Sheehan? I suppose you can answer that one. It's who? Am I putting a hex on the members of Team Sheehan? <sighs> yeah, well, you are the cooler. Um, yeah, Team Sheehan's not. It's having a bad run at the moment. Mirsad mm-hmm. um, is fighting next week. Yeah. yeah, well, we'll see if he can make it. Habib, little known fact, is OG Team Sheehan as well. So, mm. yeah, he, I was the most big fan of Habib from the start, but uh, he blocked me and broke my heart, even though it wasn't he him. Fo- he follows me, so me, me and Habib are tight. Me and Habib are, um, are good friends. Uh, Nablar asks again, what about the glorious, which is a, which I bet I'm gonna re- rename this question. Which is a more glorious, violent fight, Gaethje versus Poirier or Brown versus Condoit? As he calls him, Carlo oh, uh, definitely Gaethje. Uh, awful lot recently, and he's a really good fighter. I really like him, uh, and I think Condit might be a little bit shot, even though Brown uh, did retire. But as you said, I think last week that maybe it was it was a little bit of a uh, ring rust. With with Condit as well, and he might come back a little bit better. Um, Mr. Podge asks, would Cardio Kane destroy Steeper in Ghana? If he, like, does that mean that if he was like back to how he Prime was? Prime Kane. Prime yeah. Kane. Ooh. Um, 
I think he beats Deep. I don't know if he destroys him. Like I can see some close rounds early on, and if he, <sighs> I'm trying to remember PK. Like it was very fleeting. Good, like, yeah. <laughs> um, I I just think the game has moved on so much. I think he'd need to change as well. You know, it'd be a tough one. It's hard to pick Stipe now against uh, pick anyone against Stipe because Stipe is so good. He's really really good. Now we yeah. we said it before on this podcast as well. Even though I pick Francis, I, I like respect Stipe an awful lot. He's a really good fighter, but yeah, it's gonna be hard to pick. Yeah, I'd probably go with Stipe over over Kane. Just me too. I just can't really remember <laughs> like Kane back then. There wasn't as much depth as there is now as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think Stipe has earned has earned it with his uh his winningest streak. Oh yeah, Jack Dorge has actually asked about that. <laughs> Acting superstar at Mr. Da- Jack Durgis. What does Sean, what does Sean think about Ariel saying winning us? So I hate the word winning us. It's not just Ariel. Anyone who ever says it, I hate them all. And Is it losing us as well? Yeah, losing us. Yeah, there's another word. So what was it? Oh, I don't know. I was looking it up yesterday. Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, it doesn't matter. He also asks about Volkan and did we think he was looking a bit soft, carrying a bit of extra weight, and thinks maybe there might have been bad something bad happened in camp. Yeah, that's, I think both of them were carrying a bit extra weight. Like yeah. Cormier is always carrying a bit of extra weight. I think uh, Ozemir was as well, but not, nothing ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think he. I think he was. Maybe I think he's a big guy as well. Uh, and um, you know, I, I just think he's he's a naturally kind of big, heavy guy. But I don't think it played much of a factor, to be honest. Uh, Johnny Byrne asks, uh, "Do you think the light heavyweight and heavyweight divisions should be molded?" Yeah, sure. No. Do that. It'd be good crack. Uh, Tried asks about. Almeida being a contender is yeah I don't I I think he's not a contender anymore to be honest I think he's just he's just uh, falling back an awful lot now uh, Kevin at Kev Carl's what about Francis and you know back to back camps did it have an effect on him mm, could have but really hard to know yeah because um, we there were so many questions around him that we didn't know so it's hard to blame it on on that but um. Mm really tough one he didn't it was such a quick turnaround it was such a quick fight there was no damage taken and it was a quick turnaround but it wasn't it wasn't as if as if he'd he'd been in a war or anything like if, if he turned around and fought somebody as quick as he did before after this one i definitely say it's gonna have a huge effect but uh I, 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 it's hard it's really hard to know it's just it'd be one speculation yeah uh stuart hayes and emma huddle ask about kane maybe needing a fight before uh Mayocic. I think he does. I think we discussed that a little bit earlier on. Yeah, I think he does. Darek Kelly, friend of the podcast, go, go and buy a t-shirt like Darek Kelly, severemeta.com forward slash merchandise. Asked about UFC 221 looking a bit bad and should have should Gaslam have got the shot in, in front of the OL. What do you think about that? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not looking great. Like, it's 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 hard, though, when when it comes ticking fast, like back in the day, if there was a card, there was a card every three weeks. It was it was a lot easier to to stack the cards. Mm-hmm. Um, these days, this was probably like forty to fifty cards a year. Like you know, people like Curtis Blaze being in the co-main event never would have happened years ago. Yeah. Um, the main card is like guys most people wouldn't have heard of on on the card. People like Jake Matthews, okay. People have probably heard of him, like but Jake Tyson Matthews. Pedro. But besides that, there isn't much on the on the main card. Obviously, Mark Hunt is 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 always good crack, but uh, he's uh he's on the the kind of on the way down as well. So it's not a great card, but sometimes these cards end up being you never really know what you're going to get until until they happen. They end up being yeah. good out of nowhere, and the main yeah. event is obviously really good. 
Andy Stevenson, Andy SDE123 from the podcast asks, how'd you score the RT's Pantoja fight? He said he has a 29-28 and Herb missed a few illegal blows as well in that one. He did, didn't he? Yeah, there was like a knee to the head, at least one anyway. Um, I had a 29-28 yeah, Pantoja, but I was drinking a few pints and uh, I wouldn't... Yeah. I was watching two streams uh, for most of the <laughs> most of the fights of Bellator and thing. Uh, so uh, it was hard to score, but um, yeah, I, I couldn't say. I, I didn't. I, I didn't uh, pay close enough attention to score. Yeah, uh, man called Moo asks: Is Gustafson DC two the fight to make a light heavyweight? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think it, it definitely is. And what about this? He asks about the greatest heavyweight of all time. Before we get to the Q and A, we'll end up in Nate's Q and A. What do you think? Who's the greatest heavyweight of all time? <sighs> Cole Conrad. Dead no, right. Um, <laughs> you can't beat that guy. Um, I, I was only thinking of that earlier on. That's weird. Carl Vindrich, you can't beat that guy. Uh, it's hard to go past Miocic, but it's also hard to go past Verdum. I know Verdum's recent fights. Okay, he's like 40 he now. But, but, like, it's really tough on heavyweight. See, there's, there's an argument here. Like, who's the best ever and who's the greatest? Like, Who's who's better as a fighter, Joe Lozon or Heist Gracie? Well, it's obviously Joe Lozon, but yeah. like, who's a greater fighter in in the history of the sport? It's obviously Heist Gracie. So, like, yeah. that if you're looking at Fedor and Stipe, like, who's Stipe is obviously a way better fighter than Fedor ever was. But like, yeah. who's great? Like Fedor defended that belt over and over. Maybe you know, it obviously wasn't the same level of competition. And well, all that, that was, a, it was a fake belt they made up, wasn't it? Yeah, was. yeah, true. But like, he he won what twenty fights in a row or something, and beat a lot of good guys as well. Like, I think to to well, you know, well, right well, off, a lot of right good off, guys. Like, I think few. it's unfair to write it off a guy like him to come the greatest of all time just because yeah. it was a different era of the sport. Like Fedor's wins, main wins are like against Nogara and stuff, like you know, fifteen years yeah. ago and stuff. So uh, a lot changed since then. Um, mm. He's been beaten by like middleweights and knocked out and stuff. Uh, the game moves on so quick. Like uh, the thing is, like it kind of goes back to that nearly Kane versus Stipe, prime Kane versus Stipe question again. Like and. I think I think Stipe is the better fighter. Um, he's just very well rounded, and heavyweights usually have a glaring weakness. Um, Kane and Stipe don't. So maybe the injuries is a bit of a weakness for for Kane, but it's kind of not. It's kind of related to martial arts, but not really. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I'd say Stipe um, has the, has the record for the most defenses, and it, it may be a bit of recency bias, but I, I think I think just the way the game's moved on and how well-rounded he is and how much better he's gotten over the last two or three years while Kane's been injured, I think I think Stipe is the best. My answer is going to be what Daniel Cormier said. When they fight Stipe and Kane, that's who'll decide who's the greatest heavyweight ever. Until then, Schrodinger's heavyweight, that's what it is. For Doom as well, though, it's kind of always loading. For Doom has to be up there. Yeah. He beat Fedor and he beat Kane. He submitted oh, yeah, both of them, both of them as well. Like yeah. Rapid to save their lives, you know. Guilty. That, that is very true. Right. Nakel Day Q&A. The disgrace that is Team Sheen will have a champion in 2018. Well, what's the team? I forget um, the team. Francis. Um, I sure could be, but probably get the yeah. interim or the second lightweight belt. So, silver, yeah. Silver belt, yeah. Yeah, Habib, Darius. You can fall for chains of silver. You can fall for chains of gold. You can fall for pretty strangers, and the promise is they hope. You promised me everything. They promised me a ticket, didn't you? Yeah, just <laughs> Romeo. Yeah. You know, I used to have 
Dreaming him. Juliet. Anyway, uh, yeah. Who else is on Team Sheehan, actually? Darren Elkins is on it now, officially. Um, Dave Fogarty was on it. Tom D- Tom Dukenwa. Tom Dukenwa is on it, yeah. Um, Jeez, it's been a bad, it's been a bad year for it has Team Sheehan. Right, yeah. It has. Mark D. was a touch of Team Sheehan. So I think PT might have had him before me, so maybe he wasn't. But <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, right, next question. Daniel Cormier will fight at heavyweight this year. God, I don't this know. Year, no. I'm going to say true. I'm going to say true. Stipe Miocic will still be heavyweight champion come the end of 2018. True for me. Jesus. Uh, I'll go true, but heavyweight. Sorry, no. Brock, Brock Lesnar. Brock. <laughs> nah, yeah, I think it will be Stipe. Dominic Cruz will be bantamweight champion again in 2018. False. False, I think is all, yeah. Uh, UFC champion will be stripped of their title in 2018 because of a failed drugs test. Um, champion, let me think. False. Mm. I have one in if mind here. Proper, proper champions, not, not if they, the actual undisputed champions. Or do we include so like everyone apart from Habib and Tony, is that what you're belts, saying? Belts all around. It's like the Oprah show or something. Belts all around. Belts all around, yeah. Belt for you, belt for you. Yeah, I think I'm going to say true because I have someone in mind. Uh, one of the two heavyweight alternates, Congo Ayala. There's Javi Ayala. He's the one I couldn't think of earlier. Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll win the belt. We'll win the command We'll win the Bellator Grand Prix. Oh, Jesus, I really hope not. But uh, I go with false, but I wouldn't be surprised if Congo Congo's Ill- gonna win Ill- illegally blows his way to the... Congo's gonna fucking win it, isn't he? Oh my god. In the most boring he, fights of all time. Oh god, he really Oh no, I hope he doesn't. Yeah. Anyway, that's it. Another another um another podcast down. It was a long one, that's what she said. Uh yeah, it was a fun one though. And um We'll, we'll we'll be back again with with more podcasting brilliance after after a little while. Thanks to everyone for listening. Please share out the podcast. Uh, tell us what you think. Tweet me at Sean Sheehan Ba. Tweet uh, Graham at Severe May. Send us a podcast. Send us uh, an email. Severe May Podcast at Gmail and send us questions at Severe May Pod. Uh, and that that's Review about us it. On iTunes. Give us give us five stars if you haven't already. Get in there; it helps uh, get us up the charts and get new people listening. So, uh, if you haven't, just run over there, hit a little five star and a small review, and that'd be great. Yeah, do that. Thanks everyone for listening. And here is the quote of the week: "I don't shine if you don't shine." We'll see you next Tuesday or Monday. <laughs>